This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Welcome to Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Nights. Alongside me, we got David. What up, spook kids? What the fuck? Hey. <laughs> it's almost like we saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, welcome back, man. So welcome happy to back, have you man. back. It's been uh it's been about a month, right? Uh yeah, probably, I think so. roughly. Yeah, I think yeah, three weeks to a month. Episodes. Yeah. Back for the best one. That's true. I gotta be back That's for this true. one. Oh yeah. Man, holy shit. I, I I tried to plan it up as much as possible to where it linked up perfectly. So yeah. But anyway, that's nightly over there. Other than there, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Night. We're good nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. If you like that and want extra horror content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? Yeah. And the motherfucking lags is back. I love it. Hey. <laughs> oh man. As y'all don't, as y'all probably know, if you listened to the previous episode, but if you are jumping into this episode, we are recording this, um, remotely. I did mention that David will be back on the remote episodes versus our in-person episodes. So here we are remote doing these remote. However, another thing that I do want to point out currently, as we are recording this, we are currently in a heat wave in the Bay area. Actually, all of California is currently oh, in a heat God. wave. Uh, it is so bananas right now. So we got windows open. We got fans on. So if you hear yep. that, I'm sorry, but we are not going to die to record this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you that right or now. are we? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Oh. But- <laughs> I'm glad you acknowledged it. 
My windows yeah. are wide open. My fans Me too. are all on. <laughs> yep. I got two fans on. I got my windows wide open. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> we ain't I got that. no fans. Oh, man. oh shit. Ooh. Hey. hey that was cute. That was cute. But anyway. That's <laughs> it should be. It's hot as hell. Anyway. Keeping things going with our 50 below month. And holy fuck, what a month. I, I honestly have liked most of the films that we've, we've covered. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, that, you did. That, you loved that last I one did. too, huh? Uh, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> but I did like a nice chunk of these films um, that we did cover. And this one's no different, but this one is actually near and dear to my heart. And I'm sure to all of your hearts as well, both David and Freddie, I'm speaking to here. Now, for those who don't know, which a lot of you may not know, because a lot of you have who are on our Patreon, we've discussed this before, um, that our very first episode technically was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. However, we did a tester episode on an older show that we had called The Good Night Podcast, where David had his own podcast at the time called uh, The Crystal Court. And... Um, we kind of merged together and we watched a little ditty together called 13 Ghost. And we recorded it shortly after watching that and we chose and broke down who our favorite ghosts are. That's what we're going to talk about again in Midnight Hour. Um, however, we're going to see if our choices have changed. I remember my choice, but I'm going to see if it changed since then because that was, in fact, three years ago. Holy say, shit. That's so crazy. That <laughs> seems like forever ago, man. Three and years. Like you said, I wow. feel like this is a very special episode. I think this holds a lot of history of going back around of where we actually started. Um, no, I'm excited to talk about this movie because it, yeah, if it wasn't for this movie and us coming together, this would have never been a thing. So, lots to uh, admire about this movie. So, Cool. Absolutely. I mean, this movie is the movie that was the official benefactor that we wanted to start Nightlight of Horror Movie Podcast together. So without 13 Ghosts, that's the movie we're talking about tonight, everybody. Without 13 <laughs> Ghosts, the, we, the Nightlight wouldn't exist, which is weird to say, but this is the, the, sh- the movie that really kind of honed in what Nightlight is today. And it's fucking crazy and we're finally covering it on the podcast which is even bonkers so i'm super excited about this before we get into everything i do want to give a very special shout out to our ghoulish nights over on patreon.com slash nightlight pod that's night with a k lizzie josh vaughn alexis johnny layla eric kelly brenna daniel cheyenne carrie Stu, brandon anna stephanie calvin drew also known as the silent knight andrew scary stuff podcast samantha patrick jessica jared jasmine chantal rio jesse joe kaylee rob and last and 100 not least freddie thank y'all so much for supporting us and allowing us to kind of keep the dream going and if you didn't hear your name on here and you know that like, hey, what the hell? I'm a patron. Uh, just note that this is technically the beginning of the month that I am reading this. Therefore, some of every, not everyone's patron, uh, went in again. So it, it'll happen. It'll happen again. If you are still here, that is, um, it didn't say anyone to delete their, their pledge. But, uh, if you still have your pledge, just know that if your name wasn't called, that is why it is still working on pledging patreon stuff oddness but hey 
<laughs> anyway, the film, like I said earlier, everybody, that we are covering is 13 Ghosts. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. I'll take yeah, it away. Go first? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, man. This movie is so ridiculous, but it will <laughs> always hold a special place in my heart, just like Prince and Freddie spoke on. Uh, it's so funny watching this movie again three years later and really just think about thinking about you know what Prince stated. Like this movie is the reason why Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, exists. And we had such a good time sitting together and watching this film. And like Prince had mentioned, we ranked the ghosts and it was a blast. And it really helped us solidify that like there's something special here. There's really good chemistry here. And um, it's just fun, right? Like it was, it was fun to connect and really just be able to like feed off each other's energy very well. Um, so I, I will always <laughs> as, as a, as funny as it is uh, in its narrative and its pacing and plot and it's a silly story movie. structure, <laughs> it's so silly and ridiculous. But like, I can't hate on it at all because of that. I'm so biased <laughs> towards it because like it, it has become that movie for me, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a catalyst. It's it's why we're here right now, three years later, um, and it's fun, right? This movie has so much. 2001 flair to it. It was oh, very much about yeah. let's bust out as much as we can on CG, but also like not shy away from uh, the practical effects, right? Like it, because that's that arrow is very much about like whatever like computer graphics we can get for machinery, things that just seem so complex and complicated. Let's do it. But at the same time, in contrast, right? Uh, anything that's spiritual was very practical. Uh, with all the ghosts, right. and it was, it was so amazing to see this. This movie is worth watching, even though the story is not the greatest. Right? It's uh, <laughs> it's worth seeing it for the monster designs and the the structure of the house and the machinery of it all. And it's just fun to to see this this idea uh, that was that was executed on, and uh, just seeing the creativity behind it. Um, yeah. It's definitely fun watching it for that. It's, it's, this is, and there's going to be some bias here. It's definitely a movie that's fun to watch <laughs> with friends and just yes. talk about like how cool it's designed. Absolutely. Freddie, what mm-hmm. about you, my friend? No, I agree with a lot of things that David just said too. Um, yeah, the big thing is like we saw this three years ago, which is a good chunk of time. And <laughs> that's the last that time, time I saw it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was the last time I saw it too. And, it's funny as like how far we've grown, maybe like in our mindset of being analytical and seeing the yeah. the stuff that's wrong with movies and then rewatching this movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, the score makes a little bit more sense. But at the same time with <laughs> David, it's like, ah, man, this little has a very special spot in my heart for right. this movie. I mean, right. it's something that we all connect with. So there is a little bit of biasism, a little bit, but at the same time, like David said, it's a very fun ride. I think there's a lot of creativity, like David was saying, with not only the set design, but the character design of all of the ghosts. And I think that's what really makes this movie come to life, is the creativity of how they designed each story and also our imagination of like where that story goes with each ghost. 
and kind of just like, yeah, what we did was rank them. And at the same time, we didn't have like a ghost that we didn't really like. They're all really well thought out, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, the story is not the best, but it works. And it works for like the the setting that they're in. And I love that it's like a maze of a, a house and stuff like that. And there's so many layers to it. And it just constantly has a lot of twists and turns where you don't really know what's going to happen. And then things happen and they're spooky and they're scary. And it's still pretty good for what it is. And still one of the best opening scenes, too. I think it's just pure <laughs> chaos. And I just love it. So great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's absolutely a fun movie. fantastic. I love it. I agree with all what y'all are saying right now because this movie is absolutely fantastic. It it is. Is it ridiculous? Yes, one hundred fucking percent. Is it completely outlandish? Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's the fact that it has such this kind of soft spot. And I remember the first time I watched this as a kid. Like my grandma bought this movie, and I had mm. the DVD. And um, with the special features, which we talked about on that Good Night episode, the special features and how these special features had all these different um, explanations behind the ghosts. And yeah, each ghost had their very own backstory and it was fucking fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And that's something we're going to talk about a lot more in Midnight Hour for sure. But I love this movie. I I do. Do I think this movie deserves 17% on Rotten Tomatoes? No. I don't. No, I definitely don't. But is this movie good? Technically, no. Like I'm I, like <laughs> it's also not really a good movie, but at the same time, it's a very fun movie. And just as David stated, that creature design is just absolutely flawless. Like I mean, mm-hmm. Greg Nicotero wor- worked on some of these uh prosthetics and things like that for these uh, ghosts. And he did such an incredible job. And for those who don't know who Gregory Nicotero is, uh, he worked on like The Walking Dead. Um, Actually, I think he pretty much, yeah, he worked on I think the majority of The Walking Dead, like doing the zombie works and things like that for them. Uh, He's done a lot of stuff in the past as well. Uh, Got a lot of like inspiration from George Romero and things like that. And he even had the opportunity to work with George Romero a few times as well, which is fantastic. Um, but he also does the new creep show on, um, and like he directs it. He's the showrunner of the new creep show on shutter. So, uh, Greg Nicotero is fucking fantastic. And it's really cool to see his work in this as well. And it's, God damn, like I had so much fun watching this movie again and I finished it so fast this time <laughs> around because like I was just yeah. like, like, fuck, dude. It usually takes me like three quick. to four days and I got through this movie in like maybe a day and a half, something like that. Like it probably took me a day and a half mm. or so to really like hunker down and finish this flick and I had so much fun going from start to finish again and just reminiscing of of our night because for those who don't know as well i mean when we started nightlight we technically started in my living room um or or a dining room i should say we were at a dining room table when we first did nightlight however when we did good night uh podcast we started that technically on my couch because we didn't know what to do. We couldn't afford stands at the time. We had to (laughs) utilize someone else's computer. Um, and we, we just held microphones. So that's how we did it. We would hold microphones in our hands. Like we were pop stars. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that's how we did. That's how that's how Goodnight Podcast started. And then we upgraded a little bit and was able to get like mic stands and things like that. And then, I mean, now here we are now where we're able to do a lot more professional shit, which is crazy to me. Like I didn't think in a million years that would be possible. But yeah, this, this movie is going to forever hold a soft spot in my heart because of the experiences that we got from this. And man, man. Getting a little emotional even thinking about it. It's yeah. crazy to think that this is the movie that started Nightlight. And that's that's pretty wild. That's pretty about. wild. Man. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this, y'all, because before I start fucking crying on this goddamn podcast. <laughs> the 13 Ghosts, which I always have found it so strange when they spell it T-H-I-R, then the number 13 in between, then the letter <laughs> N, then Ghosts. 13 I love ghosts. it. <laughs> directed by Steve Beck, who also write literally before he directed Ghost Ship. Man, what a what a table turn. <laughs> Released October 26, 2001 with a runtime of one hour and 30 minutes and a budget of fucking guess this, $42 million. Jesus Wouldn't Christ. Wouldn't it have been great if it was $13 million? Oh, mm. fuck, I would have died. <laughs> well, we can well, see how I much mean, it made. <laughs> I mean, this movie like oozes budget. It looks like they spent so yeah. much money watching the this. And the house it, alone, the set. I was about yeah. to say the set looks so expensive. Totally, yeah. and, and the mechanics lo- of the set. With the story structure lacking, you can tell. At least when I was watching it, they, I, I was watching it and thinking. They spent so much money on this that they probably thought to, to themselves, "We need to get this out no matter what." We spent so much money; it doesn't matter what the story is. Like, Fair. let's get it out. Fair, yeah. No, that's uh, that. In some ways, that is kind of how it feels. Yeah. Uh, a box office of sixty-eight point five million dollars. Oh, which, okay. wow! I was kind of surprised at. I, I, Me too. I thought it was going to be less. I thought they were going to break even on this. Um, I yeah. didn't think it was that popular. I guess. Um, yeah. Deserve the I don't rem- 14 ghosts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, rating of 17% are rotten tomatoes. Uh, we open to a junkyard at night with stacked cars. Title shot accompanied with ghastly laughter. They love the fucking like ghost tracks in this. They, it was just ghosties oh, yeah. all over the place. Um, a truck bulldozes through a gate with a caravan of other SUVs behind it. They park and rush out of their vehicle, setting up a sound system as an old Rolls Royce pulls up with Cyrus Criticos and Dennis Rafkin. Cyrus gets out of his car, admiring the situation. Dennis gets sharp pains, causing him to fall to the ground and rub his head. Cyrus questions if it's bad tonight. Dennis calls it insane and that it feels like he, quote unquote, is breathing down his neck. Suggest- that they get out of there. Cyrus sarcastically notates it, demanding one of his workers to clean up this uh, the place and locate their their guest. I love that he already is just like "Honey, we're home" type of like reaction. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's awesome. It's awesome. Dennis is about to take some pills, but Cyrus hits them out of his hand with his fucking cane. <laughs> this guy is evil. <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude. Like he's like, I need you clear headed tonight. He's like. This is this is clear headed for you. Like my right. head is like throbbing. Dude's practically having seizures. Like this is crazy. Huge villain energy. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. He claims that it is to take the edge off, but Cyrus doesn't want him to, reminding him of their routine. He picks up, he picks Dennis up and pulls him in front of the car, handing him a photo of the yard, asking where he is. Dennis touches the ground. Flashes of images of people dead sprint through his head as he screams in pain. Whew, I would hate to have his fucking power. Right. Like, <laughs> I do like his the, power like, looks like it's crazy. Editing like flashbacks and stuff like that too. And the I know a lot movements. of people who don't like those, and I love them. I feel like it is a um, moment it's of a that time. Of its time. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. a problem of its time. But like, so I, like I feel like it's, it's great. cool to look at. Yeah, yeah. Is it a little obnoxious? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Do I have I seen other movies take it way too far? Absolutely. Yes. I'm looking at you in the earth. That last <laughs> sequence at the end of in the earth. Oh my God. It was way too long. <laughs> it's great though. When you have moments where you can look back at films and it's like, wow, we don't edit like this anymore, but like, right. it's fun to just get that snippet of like what it used to be like, like this used to be like the industry standard, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to like, think about when you see it. It's like, yeah, this is what people wanted or what people thought people wanted true that's true yeah i feel like i feel like it was definitely the process of like i think people will like this kind of thing for sure and crazy rock music in between yeah (laughs) yeah i mean hey they they went even more heavy with it on on house of wax so oh for sure (laughs) yelling that cyrus said that this guy killed only nine people but there's 40 victims there what the fuck? Hmm. He admits that he's added a few since then, wanting Dennis to tell him where he is. Dennis throws the paper over his head, pointing straight ahead. Cyrus instructs them to bring in the cube. As they are setting up the cube, Dennis wants to understand how this guy got the name, quote unquote, the breaker. Cyrus claims that it is possible, possibly because he broke his victims into as many pieces as possible. A car comes crashing down from above, scaring Dennis, but irritating Cyrus. Dennis comments that this is this one is different from the others. Cyrus makes a deal that he'll raise that he'll raise his pay. But Dennis knows that he doesn't have that kind of money. Cyrus claims that he'll be surprised after tonight. He touches Cyrus's shoulder, seeing a machine with Latin symbols on them spinning out of control. Cyrus pulls away, threatening him to get to not get too curious. Two people, Damon and Kalina, are forced over to them. Damon yelling about what he what he is doing is considered slavery. Okay. Sure. I can see that. <laughs> uh, Cyrus admits that he's persistent about ask, uh, persistent asking Kalina about her ridiculous Quicksilver flares and if she still has the magic book. He uses his cane to pick at her uh, her book bag. She argues that these aren't animals but human beings. Dennis chimes in that they are dead human beings, mocking her to join Greenpeace. Cyrus laughs. She spits on his shoe, questioning who he is to play God. He gets up in her face. That playing uh, playing is for children. What a fucking line, though. I love that goddamn <laughs> line. He's like, playing is for children. <laughs> like, fucking dismisses her. I'm like, that's yeah, baller. Like, that's, yeah, that's baller honestly. shit right there. Fucking dickhead. But, like, <laughs> this... You, all right. Y'all know who where this guy is from. The guy who's playing Cyrus. We batty. covered another movie that he was in. The Guillermo del Toro movie, uh, Mimic. Devil's, uh, oh, you're right. He was a mimic. He was the teacher. 
and hmm. mimic the other scientist who was trying right. to stop her from doing the shit. So instead, this dude's like, fuck it, I'm gonna go collect ghosts then. Damon tells him <laughs> to, <laughs> that he'll never pull it pull it off without the right of uh, spell and the 13th ghost. Dennis questions that. Cyrus demands them to take those two out of his sight. All right. I want to talk about Miss Honey appearing in this movie real quick. <laughs> Is that her? That's her. That's Miss That's fucking Honey from Matilda. Realize that, right? My goodness, right? That was like one of my first crushes. I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Yeah, I was. I can see it. I was such a. And that's why you young, ended up marrying a teacher, boy. huh? No, I was fair, about to say the same thing. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong you're not no, wrong she's your miss honey it, it's true Aww. it's true although she's not a teacher anymore that's uh, true but but i mean yo shouts out to and the teachers neither out there. Is, uh, miss honey out here too she goes on it now i mean is she now who knows <laughs> uh he demands everyone to move the cube into position as dennis is trying to understand what damon meant cyrus climbs up a set of cars like the fact that this dude had the fucking balls to climb up a set of cars. I would be so right? scared to climb up stacked cars, let alone like I'm I'm kind of like a little nervous to climb up a regular car that's just on the ground, mainly because I don't want to dent it. But <laughs> like I would be so afraid to climb up a stack of cars. Oh, and this dude's just like motherfuckers walking with a cane and you just can climb cars. Power move. It's like 10 sacks too. Bro, and he's like climbing fast, like no yeah. grunts, nothing. He's just, mm, 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 mm. Oh, damn, this dude's fucking Donkey Kong. <laughs> Dennis shouts that he's done after after tonight. He shouts down at Dennis that there's no time to argue, instructing the crew to release the bait. Dennis doesn't understand since they've never needed it before. A truck comes down the aisle, shooting blood out from the grill. <laughs> Cyrus puts on his ghost-seeking glasses as the cube drops down. They power up the cube and begin the transmission in Latin. Laughter is heard throughout as everyone except for Cyrus are nervous. He yells for come, come, as the cars are around them falling, causing them to run. And I'm just like, this guy, relax with the come, all right? We get the, per- the performance here <laughs> seems so theater-like. Like, it's very oh, exaggerated. Sure. Yeah. It's surreal, yeah. But it makes Absolutely. it fun. Like, it once, you, once you accept it for what it is, it's it's a blast. Who thinks of like a truck coming down the aisle of like a tr- like a junkyard with pouring just blood all over blood. the place? I love that. I, mean, I love that. That's a thing. No one would think, ever think about it, but this person did, and I love that. So beautiful. Yeah, I agree, and I, I would love to see someone else do something similar to this uh, because I think it's I think it's great. Like I think this this whole scene is fantastic, and I think it, it really um, it it really paints the picture of what's going on. However, yeah. do we ever get like a reason why blood attracts this guy? No, we don't. No. Like, okay. like it, it makes zero sense. He's not a shark. Well, it helps build the but, war, uh, the war, the world that we're in as well as like, Oh, ghost yes. hunting is a thing. And this is how right. you do it. And we have like, yeah, you do it with in blood. It as well. You see, like Baby. there is a whole, I don't know, like a whole system, which is kind of cool to see. It's like, these are experts at this and they don't play yeah. around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's interesting because like the Latin chant or whatever is what's supposed to bring them in anyway. 
and yet mm. we needed blood for this person. And it was, I love, I love that. And I love like he's supposed to be like the one and be all the most badass ghost they have, the twelfth ghost. This fucking guy who looks like his name is Furman, but like <laughs> we got him with his crazy haircut and <laughs> he looks scurry. Bullet holes and shit inside of him. This is great. I love the I love the context of the bullet holes too when we get that that uh well we don't get it in this, but we get it in the special features. One of the one of the uh, people are grabbed and dragged into a car and killed, which is great. It's like the blood splatter, just like it's like a balloon popped and blood just splattered oh, on the yeah. window. <laughs> Another runs up a set of cars just to have his body bent fucking backwards and forced into the car. Oh, yeah, I love that kill! Holy sh- shit! Yeah, that's that a kill is phenomenal. Yeah, you see that one, you're like, oh, that's a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis watches as these guys are absolutely obliterated by the juggernaut ghost. As they are trying to get away, they are all thrown every which way. One in particular accidentally runs inside the cube, getting (laughs) trapped inside with the juggernaut. He throws the man around inside. Dennis running over to him to put him down as he bangs on the window. He takes off his glass is allowing the ghost to disappear from his sight. He calls out to Cyrus back on the walkie-talkie as he catches his breath that he hopes he's happy since he has his 12th ghost now. Kalina screams that Damon is dying. Dennis runs over to them as Damon's throat is slit and Kalina is crying for them to help him. Damn, if I was Damon and I was my last breath, I think I would have tried to be like, she's dead me like or something you know what I'm saying? like i would have fucking tried i said it like i mean granted i've never had my throat slit so i don't know what what, what will happen but like he he was kind of like a dying fish and i would have probably been like at least it's like what did he say you know like yeah. i don't know but that was that sucks for I want to know uh, her fucking motive here. I don't understand her switch. Right. Like, yeah. I, I, just, well, it, I, it may, I need her motive. Yeah. Like it, it's insinuated that she was in on it all along. Right. And she was. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was in on it all along because yeah, we get later weird. that she, she, she does say she killed Damon. Yeah. So, and that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's like who's the, we'll, we'll who's the presentation there, but, for? But yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Like I don't understand yeah, yeah. what what it's for. So like maybe this is something we us. can decipher later. True, it's for the yeah, viewers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, anyway, he spots Cyrus also seemingly killed during the accident, which was fucking hilarious to me because I'm just like this dude was killed by a fucking windshield wiper. <laughs> both of them right or is it just one i just think one. it was one. Oh man, i was like wait like that. did someone hold him down and like just ricocheted multiple times and <laughs> slit through his throat like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> anyway we fade to the true opening of this movie which should have been that should have been a cold open this beginning portion it wasn't yeah. because we got the title shot beforehand but this should have been the right. cold open and this should have been the title but whatever 
But we turn to the uh, the true opening of this movie where siblings <laughs> Kathy and Bobby are playing outside the backyard. Their parents, Arthur and Jean, are watching them and admiring their children. The camera continues moving across the room, allowing us to hear Arthur's birthday celebration. This sounds terrible. Like the, the VO <laughs> in this is horrendous. It's like, so bad. It is so bad. Like this fucking, what's his name in real life? Uh, something Shalab. Uh, Tony Shalop, uh, Shahab, um, he, or Shalhab, I think that's how you say it. Um, but Tony, my dude, made it seem like he did not want to be there. He was like, ha, 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 thank you for the birthday wishes, everybody. <laughs> I feel like that was even better acting than this fucking guy. But like, no, it's just, he, he definitely was just like, this is a paycheck. This is a paycheck. Because right after this, this motherfucker went to do Monk for like, I don't know, 10 seasons. How fucking We're popular Monk successful. was. I've seen he's him in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome in roles. Like, he's fucking great. Yeah, he is. And he wasn't all bad in this. Like, it was, no, no, it was moments for sure. But like, this, this is bad. Real bad. <laughs> I think a lot of the editing is really bad too. A lot of the, the like, splicing of Almost every like, shot is a fucking fade. Like almost every <laughs> shot's a fade. Say, like yeah. we fade, we fade a lot in this movie. I'm like, this was fucking totally done in Final Cut Pro, and someone was just like, Command A transition. Like, what's <laughs> well, uh, about to happen right now when we're like seeing him with the opening credits? I do like the camera movement. It does a full 360 around. Oh, yeah, the 360 with the change room. No, that shit's dope. It's the acting that's fucking horrible. But this shit right here, that the camera work, fantastic in this portion right here. You're absolutely correct. It's cool. Uh, The sound of fire crackling and fire alarm sound. He instructs her to call the fire department while he gets the kids. Kathy and Bobby scream for their help. Do they share a room? Arthur asks uh, him where their mom is. She's still inside as she screams from inside the house. What was she doing? Mm. Like, what were you doing? If he, if he was getting the kids, you should have been getting your ass out the house. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Like, he did say call the fire department, but like, go to a neighbor's house or something. She was on the landline. Fuck. Line's busy. I got away. Like, what the fuck? Like, what were you doing? Like, what were you doing? Get out of the house. Around the room, it becomes more worn out and depressing. Sounds of an EKG machine beeps out, a doctor apologizing that Gene didn't make it. Lastly, the audio of Gene's funeral with this very bad crying from Arthur here. Um, the <laughs> camera panning back around to Arthur, um, sitting in his chair, but now at his cramped apartment in a burnt image of Gene. Moral of the story, everybody, make sure you have fucking house insurance. That shit is real. Um, yep. If you don't have housing insurance, you have to pay for that. You have to I pay for the, restoration, everything. Get house insurance. I the almost hard way. That's that true. Is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Get insurance on your house. I'm not. Even oh, that's kidding. scary. Yes, it's very scary. Oh, yeah. But if you don't have a house, get renters insurance. I'm telling you. Yes. Get yes. renters insurance. P C A or P S A. I said. And this dude, it's all good. I, we're good. We're just gonna pass right by that. 
it's like Pacific Coast Association. Many past bills um, are also on the wall. His daughter comes into the room to let him know that the time and or what the time is, excuse me, and that he's going to be late for his class. I mean, shout out to Shannon Elizabeth. She was like hot shit during this time. I feel like mm-hmm. we had a set, right? We had a set of people that these directors love to use in the early 2000s. Um, we had Alicia Cuthbert. Um, we had the chick who played in When a Stranger Calls. or, or That's right. Oh, yeah, we had her. We had the chick from Glass House. The Glass House from 2001. She was in a lot of things as well. What the hell was her name? Lily Sabowski. We had her. A lot of her. Uh, and we had we had uh, Shannon Elizabeth. That They were like the go-to girls in, in t- the 2000s. Like that was, yeah. that was the one. Oh, we also had, blanking out on this one. Um, God, what's her name? She played in the that remake for Nightmare on Elm Street. And she's not in anything anymore, but she played in the remake and I can't remember her name right now. Katie Cassidy. It was a lot of her too. Katie Cassidy was in fucking everything. She was in Taken. She was in a Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. She was, she was in Click. She was in uh, Black Christmas. She was in Black Christmas. She was in a When a Stranger Calls. She was even in Supernatural. She was in fucking everything. She was in everything. I mean, Black Christmas 2006, That I, I feel like that was like the main thing that we had almost all of them in there. Michelle Trachenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. That's another one that was in a lot of stuff yeah. as well back in the day. Um, who I feel is the only one who probably got like a super duper successful career out of it. But I don't know. Anyway, uh, did what happened to David? I was on a different screen. Oh, there I'm he is. Here. Okay, sorry, no worries. <laughs> get, get, go Hold ahead. on, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for me. Uh, Bobby is at a table getting uh, getting a head start on podcasting as he speaks into his microphone for his show, Death in America. Holy shit! I want to be a guest on that fucking show. You know, I was thinking yeah. the same thing. I was like, we could probably be on the show. I want to be a guest on that show so bad. He starts sharing a whole bunch of morbid information saying <laughs> decapitated incorrectly. And I love his enthusiasm. This kid's like, all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Death in America. And this time we got no deaths from Kansas, but we got a decapitation over at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> his nanny Maggie butting in to pronounce it correctly for him. His sister chiming in for uh, for him to find a healthier hobby as she cooks. Uh, real quick, Freddie, you're watching the movie again currently, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, please explain this to me. Am I tripping or is there cartons of milk on top of their refrigerator? If so, why? There's like single cartons of milk, like those, you know, those like solo mm-hmm. bottles or, or not solo bottles, like. Yeah, the single bottles. Single, yeah, the single bottles. Yeah, the single bottles of milk. That's on top of their fridge, right? Uh, or am I, I tripping out? It's like, it's like me. red. Yeah. yeah, it's not much though. There's like a bunch of canned sodas and there's like cereal and then maybe two bottles. Of milk. Of milk. On the fridge. Well, 
That's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Who do you think placed that and was like, yeah, that's the milk. Spot. <laughs> that's organic. That's a lot of people do stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, try to get the fucking Is brand deal. supposed to be refrigerated? It doesn't matter in this movie. <laughs> not, not here. Ghost or refrigerated this ghost milk. milk. <laughs> Ew. He rebuttals for us to leave him alone while he records. Arthur comes into the room greeting everyone as he com- as he comments about the smell. Bobby excitedly sharing that he that they found someone decapitated behind Dunkin' Donuts. Arthur responds that mm, I love Dunkin' Donuts. A wife in his face. Kathy <laughs> burns herself while trying to prep up breakfast. She is having a fucking day. I'm just like you look like you're just trying to cook eggs. Calm down. He goes up Bro. to her, telling her to allow Maggie to make the food for once, that being the reason why they hired her. She questions if he tasted Maggie's cooking. He jokes that it it was just that one time. <laughs> While they are arguing about who cooks better, a lawyer, Ben Moss, is walking down the hall. Bobby asks his dad if he, if he could tell Kathy that uh, keeping a record of death is healthy. She, It is. I mean... Someone has to fucking do it. Why not this fucking six-year-old kid? That's she true. mocks him as as Arthur repeats it. Oh, sorry for the loud music on my end, everybody. Someone just came down blasting fucking men in black. Holy shit. <laughs> we are the men in black. Anyway, uh, she mocks him as Arthur repeats it. Bobby calling her a slut. Maggie oh. tells him to Bro. not call her, her his sister a slut. Instead, call her a bitch. Explain what a slut is as Kathy throws <laughs> something at her. Arthur cuts her off to ask Bobby about um ask about Bobby's homework while tripping over his scooter, spilling his coffee <laughs> on it. Okay, this is fucking great, and I think this is a gag that the production team just put into this fucking movie. And the reason why, one, this is the first time that we see this fucking scooter, right? The scooter just appears out of nowhere. The last time we see this goddamn scooter, it also appears and it's on the opposite end helping author to defeat Cyrus. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it back when we get there. Cause holy shit. It is ridiculous, and I think it it's a nod circle. to the production team. Yeah, it literally does. Uh, yelling that uh, yelling that this is the third time he tripped over the scooter, he apologizes to author um, Kathy, chiming in that the, if they had a bigger place, it wouldn't be a problem. He rebuttals that they don't have a bigger place, this being the best that he could do for now. I'm just like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a brat, honestly. Right. It's like... Why are we in this small apartment, Dad? <laughs> How old is she supposed to be? Like, she looks oh, like she's really? at she least 25. Yeah. yeah, she looks like she's in her mid-20s, but she's acting like she's 14. <laughs> yeah, I think she's supposed to be like 17, 18. Oh my like, God. so weird. Yeah, she maybe, looks, you know, maybe even a little younger. That uh, Watching this movie and feeling like she wasn't really acting her age appropriately made me think of... Um, American Pie. Man, that, no, I, mean, I was thinking about American Pie as well. Uh, as we all were, probably. One, I was thinking about that one movie um, that we totally were like ragging on because they had like 10 year old kids acting like they were four. Like, <laughs> what you Calvin. Yeah, yeah life. life. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. She definitely, it, it didn't fit. It didn't feel like I, like I said, she was the hot shit during this time. Therefore, 
Shannon Elizabeth was placed in this movie. Um, yeah. But hey, agreeing for all of them to uh, just keep their sh- their uh, shit off the floor, instructed Bobby to put away the tape recorder and get ready for school. Ben knocks on the front door, author mentioning that he forgot about the lawyer. Kathy confused and concerned, thinking that their credit was all cleaned up. Author uh, answers the door, Ben introducing himself before he invi- he's invited inside. He gets cleaned up as Ben uh, gets set up with his laptop in the dining room, explaining that he represents the estate of his uncle Cyrus. Kathy questions this, author sharing that he died and he only met him a couple of times as a kid, claiming that he wasn't well-received since he squandered the family fortune. Maggie asks Bobby if he's excited that he has a late uncle, him realizing that he's dead when Kathy bluntly comments that he's late for his birthday. Ben plays them a video that Cyrus recorded six months prior to his death. Yo, the fucking editing on this video, fire. It is, like, honestly. The editing of this video is amazing. It's Absolutely like the, amazing. It's like the movie was made in Windows Movie Maker and, and his, his video was made on a Mac or something. <laughs> That's, <laughs> very <laughs> fair. That's very fair. <laughs> Cyrus calls out of uh, uh, to author on the video, sharing that sharing that him and his family are the sole beneficiaries of his estate. Um, I need that background of this laptop, like right. ASAP, by the way. It's, it's, so, it's yeah. so legit. Uh, so he continues random. that he instructed Ben to deliver the essential elements in his will. He pulls out a wild-looking key, the video continuing um, when they are all confused about it. Cyrus continues that, that it is the key to a new house. Kathy's stoked about the bathrooms. Author is absolutely in shock. The video continues as Cyrus states it is his home, placing emphasis on it as he repeats it, explaining that he's, uh, he's seen some amazing, some amazing things, living an amazing life. And I love how he places emphasis, emphasis on this being his home. Mm-hmm. It's like a very much a, like, this is my house, no matter if I'm alive or dead, it's my fucking house. Mm. And like, this is his machine. He built it. He gets the credit for it. He's going to sacrifice the 13th ghost. This is, this is beautiful. This is great setup for what's to come for my opinion. Well, I just love how like the, the wallpaper is like all 13 ghosts and there's like ghostly faces and they're like, Oh, I trust this guy. Okay. Let's go. Like, they're not creeped out by it. Like there's like literally a zombie face on the right side and the bottom I mean, left is like a guy screaming. And you're think like, about huh. this. Think That's about cool. this. His fucking son has a podcast about death in America. I, I yeah. you know, like this this kid with the fucking morbid of fascination that he has with death, he was probably so stoked that his mom died. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's fucked up to say. Oh but God. this kid, he <laughs> looks like he was the type of kid who was just like, oh shit, my mom died. Oh well, shit. Did she burn to death? What oh, about let the me sister? see. No red flags for her? She saw the bathroom. She was like, ooh, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, just all I, and I guess the dad's just looking at the key over and over again, too. So yeah. I guess, yeah. They're just so, distracted by what's say, happening. I think it's probably a response to their mom dying, right? Um, that the son is like that. But yeah, they, they, they are to be. Yeah. It's, they're just not, it's like, they're struggling so much that they're, they're willing to accept mm. that news at no matter what cost. Listen, they're, yeah, they're distracted by what they just found out. Yeah. True. It's a nice house though. 
in his I wouldn't live there though. Uh, but his only regret was that he never got to know his nephew or appreciate the love of his family. This this house being his attempt to make up for that. The video cuts out, but back back on again. Cyrus commenting that they perhaps may meet again in another life. Ben closes a computer. Kathy wondering when they can, when they can see it. I love when Cyrus does mention that like. My biggest regret is not being able to see my nephew. Motherfucker, you made this video six months ago. Like, <laughs> bitch, I'm a phone call away. Like, what, like, what you mean? You, you like, were upset that you didn't get to hang out with me. You could have hung out with me until your last days. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> ben explains that he's headed up there after work and they want to, and they want to all see it or, or, and if they want to, they can go with him if they want to see it. He mistakes Maggie for his wife, author, um, having to somberly try to explain that his wife is dead. Bobby's building the whole situation that their mom was burned alive in a fire. Damn. Uh, Kathy cl- uh, calls out to a- calls out to him, author telling him that's enough while asking Ben where the place is. Cuts to them driving down the road. He shares that it is a couple hours away from there, uh, from there in a town called Willow Grove. Don't trust it. Warning them that his um, that uh, Cyrus liked his privacy, not having a neighbor for miles. Don't trust it. While they are in the car, <laughs> Maggie and Bobby p- are playing a macabre version of Hangman. Kathy excitedly telling him that they're almost there. Author asks if he, if she's excited. She excitedly claims that she is that she is while believing that her mom would have freaked out over this. He mentions that it looks like things are turning around. Yeah. That is a fucking prison for your mom. Like, <laughs> damn, that sucks. Right? Knowing, yeah, watching it uh, for a second time and him saying, looks like everything's turning around. Like, damn, this poor family. Yeah. It's just, they this whole thing just being a whole setup. And it's just like, yeah. goddamn. And not I only that, horrible. but them losing their mom or their, their mom slash wife seems like it was also a setup. Which sucks, right. man. How oh, terrible. That's right. Yeah. It's crazy. I man. mean, I mean, he, author was chosen for a reason, right? Um, mm-hmm. So exactly. it's like, it's super interesting. Super interesting. But hey, Cyrus is a fucking asshole. So <laughs> Cyrus sucks. Ben smirks in the car ahead as tricky by excess just flows through my headphones. I believe in people dying. I believe in <laughs> people crying. You know, fucking shouts out to that song. Like, I've never heard that song besides this movie, but I've always loved it <laughs> because we jump right back to Miss Honey, set up the bag of explosives, spells, and the book of this dead, where it's just like, whoa. My favorite part in this movie is when she talks about that book. Yeah. And the history of the yeah, book. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I wish we had I, more of that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Because I oh, I love yeah. all of the backstory of this fucking book. Fading on an image of a newspaper clipping of Cyrus being dead. The family make it to the house, Ben calling it strange when he sees a worker a worker's truck there. They are all in awe as Dennis is dressed in an orange jumpsuit, peeking through the house with his flashlight. Ben goes up to him. Dennis shines the light in his face, asking if he's uh if this is his place. He asks Dennis who he is. He bluntly claims that he's the power guy. Ben grabs for his badge as he um on his chest. Dennis tells him not to touch while sharing a bogus story about knocking out the power, needing to get inside to check the breakers. Ben questions if he could come back tomorrow. Dennis looks at his sheet, claiming that there's over 5,000 houses without power. 
Ben uh, says that this this isn't his problem, while the whole family excitedly look through the windows. And they're looking forever through these windows. They're like not even giving a <laughs> shit about the conversation. They're just <laughs> ooing and guying all over this place. Right. Dennis asks for him to give him to give him a break, uh, since he he's new to the job. Author buds in that it isn't a problem. I mean, since it's my house. Uh Dennis looks back, uh, matter of factly shouting, thank you, while asking author's name. He introduces himself with his last Last name first, his smile dropping as he compliments the place. And by his smile, I mean uh, Dennis's smile. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kathy adding that they are moving in. Um, Author puts the key into the hole, turning it, which then turns on the machine, which then turns on the rest of the house. Yo, smart houses before smart houses right here. (laughs) Fire. It's crazy how it the key too. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, it, like, is. it looks cool. To, like the whole entire mechanism, the way everything is structured and the mechanisms, everything looks really good. This looks great. Like this looks great. Wise. Yeah. Even like all of the writings on the walls, it just makes it aesthetically haunting and scary and very unique and creative. I feel like, a lot like of I said, writing. it's such a good setting for what's about to happen. I agree. Really a lot of writing on the wall is my favorite thing about the it's whole so cool. place. Yeah. And the thing that I like the most about the writing on the walls as well with the Latin, you know, it granted, yes, it has purpose because of the ghost, but I feel like it's it's uh it's kind of like a double entendre in some ways, where um there is that to protect to have the ghosts be, I guess, structured or contained is is better. Um but it also was kind of like a man going mad. Right, because yeah. that's oh, something yeah. we see all the time. Like the person who goes mad is constantly writing on the walls, right? Totally. So, like, yeah. I feel like that's what this is, and this is Cyrus hungry for this power, and he's gone mad to have this power. Totally. And I feel like that—that mm-hmm. that really just fucking just is icing on the cake for me. I love that. They're all shocked that the whole place is made out of glass. The machine begins to twirl, opening the house for them all. They enter inside as as it closes behind them, locking them inside the machinery of a house. Man, the fact that this whole fucking movie takes place in just one place and it feels huge. Yeah, it's amazing. Dude, I'd be. They look around the area. Thing. Oh, sorry. If that no, thing didn't give my key back and it closed behind me, I'd be freaking out already. But they're yeah, still going on. Time. They're like so like confused. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, dude, that's not uncharted territory. It's something that's very yeah. scary to me where it's like, yeah, now I don't have a key and it just closed behind me and I don't know how this place works. Genuinely, True. would you two not go inside? Fuck no. I would not I would go inside. As soon as I ate my key. Going in. Yeah. Yeah. I would have I would have been like, hey yo, lawyer homeboy, like, <laughs> how do I get this key out? I mean, right. I feel or like you how- know this place. You were coming here anyway. Yep. You're going to have to put this key inside anyway. So, like, how do I get this out of this house? It just like, I would key. not go in unless someone was confident about how the structure and how the mechanisms work. Yeah. No, I'm not For sure. Big confidence. Do, do you know I feel like I, I, I feel like I would be so curious, but then, like, the lawyer could just tell me, oh, yeah, it'll spit it out. When we leave, I'm like, okay. <laughs> if memory serves correct, you go into abandoned houses sometimes, David. Yes, exactly. So, so like, this is right up my alley. This is true. This is true. Last house, let's do it. 
<laughs> they look around the area, author commenting that the script on the windows are in Latin. Everyone continues looking around the house in awe, except for Dennis looking around, t- um, talking to himself, asking, what did the crazy son of a bitch Cyrus do? The family and Ben move into the room where a piece of the ground is turning. Ben commenting about how marvelous it is. Dennis comes up to Ben, asking him where the basement is so he can get out of there. Ben shares that it's down the hall, two doors on the right. He heads down as Bobby is riding on a scooter in circles on the encrypted ground. He's about to put his foot on the spinning ground until Arthur picks him up to not touch anything. Ben tells him that they have some papers to sign, and after that, he will take them on a tour of the house. Arthur agrees, telling them to stay there until he gets back. He leaves out of the room, and they spring into action so they can check out the rest of the place, what what it has to offer. Cut to Dennis heading down into the basement. Low voices murmur as as he creeps through the halls, wondering where Cyrus hid his money. Ghastly voices fill the room as he gets painful as he gets painful flashes in his head not knowing what it is until he realizes that this uh this is where he stored all of the ghosts inside the library author continues his his awe wondering if his uncle was a hunter ben admits that he could say that but cyrus was a collector of many things meanwhile inside the basement Dennis continues getting flashes of the ghost so painful to the point he drops his flashlight. Ben brings out the papers for him to sign, and for him, I mean, back to, this movie does this a lot, back to fucking him and uh, Arthur. Um, Arthur wanting to bring something, something up that he, that, uh, his, excuse me, bring something up now that his kids are gone, agreeing that the house is amazing, but he's just a math teacher worried about the property taxes, explaining that a fire took everything away from him. Ben claims that Cyrus was a genius when it came to finances, him and his family not having to worry about money ever again. Poor Dennis is getting fucked upstairs, not literally, (laughs) forcing him to uh, put on the ghost seeing glasses. Um, uh, Excuse me. He's getting fucked up downstairs, not upstairs. Um, not seeing anything right away, just more pain from the flashes. The torn prince appears behind him on the glass that he's resting on, mm. taking a swing, causing him to scream and run into the every trapped ghost. Let's roll call. The torn prince, the pilgrimess, the princess, the bound woman, the dire mother and the great child, the hammer, and the jackal are all of the ghosts that he currently runs into while he's down there so far. Cut to Kathy, Bobby, and Maggie upstairs looking around as they're soon to be home. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's unpack this a little bit. Because we finally are starting to see some, some other ghosts here. First of all, I'm going to say one thing that I really enjoy. The ghost designs, obviously, yeah, they're fucking great. But the other thing that a lot of people don't hearken on that I fucking love is their environment matches their scene of death. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just so fantastic. Super close. God. It's, It's great, and it's a shame that you only get really a snippet of it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the dire mother and the great child is probably the one you get the most of because, like, Mm -hmm. it's like a little TV that's on that you can see. He's in a, like, Mm -hmm. a a lazy boy chair and she's feeding him, I don't know, something nasty and um, maybe baby food. But, like, yeah. He follows me on Twitter, by the way. The guy that plays the great child. Yeah. That's insane. Oh, that's so awesome. 
that pair <laughs> freaks me out the most. But I think we also get that moment with the the princess with the bathroom, right? We and I do. don't know if that's I, I guess that must be indicative of her her death. Um but I assume I assume she killed herself. Yeah. But and I can't after, remember. We're gonna go over their backstories right? later. Um, but that's gonna be saved. But yeah. Cause yeah, but usually I want right. to go over all a, of them. It's a great call out, and uh, it's when we do get those moments that we where we could really like see it, it. It's great. I wish we had more of it. Same, absolutely same. Back with Ben and Arthur. Ben wanting him to sign the papers. Dennis comes into the room frantically, needing to speak with him. Arthur asks him about the deal with the breakers. He admits that he's not the power man, sharing his real name. Ben claiming that his office warned him about Dennis. Dennis explains that he uh, he used to hunt displaced spiritual energies with Cyrus. Arthur doesn't understand what he's talking about. Dennis goes over many different names before landing on ghosts. Arthur um, claims to mishear, believing that he says goats. Dennis yells and bangs <laughs> as he repeats the word ghost in for him to listen to him. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> mad hearing. Okay. Oh my God. Oh God. Upstairs, Maggie and Bobby race down. We're just going to ignore that. <laughs> race down the hall <laughs> while she's talking shit to him. And Dennis continues trying to explain that he means, um, what he means by ghost. Arthur understands, sarcastically saying that he's scared. Dennis tells them both not to laugh at him, willing, willing to explain everything until he gets his kids and himself out of this house. Bobby and Maggie make it to a room. Bobby calling dibs on the room uh, since uh, it's it's his to- uh, excuse me since it has toys. Maggie finds the glasses sitting on the shelf above the toys. Meanwhile, Kathy finds um, her room, jumping on her bed to lie down, gleefully expressing on how awesome this house is for her. Dennis continues shouting that Cyrus has co- uh, containment cubes all over the basement, not understanding why he brought them there, not wanting to stay there to find out. Ben cuts him uh, cuts him off to claim that Dennis has harassed his office since Cyrus died, seeing this all the time. While he's trying to explain to Arthur, Dennis starts having a flash in his head. Ben's still trying to paint a bad picture of Dennis, knowing that, quote, these people, end quote, um, start claiming that they owe them money. Dennis breaks out um, breaks out of it for a moment that Cyrus did owe him did in fact owe him money he owed him a shitload of money <laughs> upstairs Maggie puts on his glasses asking Bobby if she uh, if she looks cool he wants to see the glasses jumping up for them it's like damn dude wait your turn she allows him to try <laughs> on the glasses after he whines for them Dennis continues yelling for Arthur to get out of his bed with his kids he's about to leave out of the room um Excuse me, get out of this house with his kid, not bed. Uh, he's about to leave out of the room, but he gets, uh, but gets a vision that causes him to become paralyzed. Arthur goes to check on him, touching his shoulder, causing him to have a full blown seizure of Arthur's life flash before his eyes. Wanting to get, uh, get him some help, Dennis tells him not to touch him as he gains his composure on the ground. This is gross. Spitting on the ground and shit. He's like, don't touch me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I hate that kind of presentation of uh, yeah. uh, the drool because I feel like it was very much a, a huge acting choice and approach that was taken a lot a couple decades ago. Uh, and I think we've all come in like a general consensus of like, it's not very appealing to look at. So I feel like you don't see that anymore, but I don't know why I have a memory of always like seeing like that, that drool spit exhausted 
acting take. True. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But it adds to the effect. I guess the It does. The Gets the point across. across. Yeah. Yeah. Back with Kathy checking out the bathroom, smelling and putting on some perfume. In the library, Dennis gets up, author asking um, about his head. He claims that it isn't good, realizing that Ben has left them. Uh, like, Brad just straight up said, peace out. <laughs> like, like, damn. He was like, all right. Like, yeah, imagine this is that. my chance. He's just, he's seeing all this happen right in front of him. He's like, I'm just going to get out of my chair and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's literally it. Like he probably like looked at him and just about like stepped over him and shit. <laughs> Cut to Ben downstairs in the basement, putting on his glasses to walk through the hall. Bobby has his glasses um on in his new room, commenting about how cool it is to see the CG spells and uh, illuminated on the floor. He sprints out of the room to see more as Maggie chases after him. Oh, now you can't catch him. Like before, like he was like <laughs> you beat him like no problem. And like yeah. now this kid is like scooting better than your grandma now. Like, come on. <laughs> Damn. What the fuck? You know one thing that I also didn't realize? The ghost mm. only technically killed twice in this movie. That's so true. in the beginning and at the end. Yeah. So that's a good point. You know, there could have been a lot more people dying up in this movie. That's all I can say. Ben continues moving through the halls downstairs, antagonizing the torn prince, the firstborn son, and the princess. She starts, uh, she jumps at him, causing him to flinch as he makes a joke about her breast. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> her room was interesting, though, because her room was just covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. It was awesome. Really, really great touch. Eventually, coming to the do- uh, coming to a door that he opens with the use of a tiny button, he uh, he's inside the room where the machine is located. Spotted the large suitcase of controls. Once he moves it, the pedals move, beginning the next phase of the machine. Ben opens up to the brief uh, opens up the briefcase to check the money that's inside. Um, the house shifting into lockdown. Dennis comments that it is uh, it is time to leave as he strips out of his costume. Matu was wearing like a full-blown suit underneath that. Yeah, yeah I know, like, right? I would have just been wearing like a t-shirt <laughs> and maybe some pants. Like. <laughs> you know, going back a little bit, I find it so hilarious that we have this moment where we find the bag of money mm-hmm. and first how intricate this house is and how fancy and mechanical everything is. It's so funny that the 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 money that was being sought after was just in a bag on like a piano pedal. Right. It causes everything. With everything, yeah, with everything elaborate in this house, that's where it was, and you just lift it off and there's a trap. So it's so funny that that's what they settled on. Just a bag. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you could tell there's they just like kind of forgot it seemed like or maybe they thought it was a good idea. Like I I don't know. But like it, Yeah, it some definitely, Indiana Jones type of like yeah. oh if you remove the bag, you have to put something else that's heavy to like not trap it. Um, right. But like, again, like, I do what? like once it like kicks off the whole house moving and like manipulating. I no, love that, that whole concept. Awesome. That's yeah, cool. That, yeah, that's that really was awesome. so great. Yeah. So great. And it looks Absolutely good too. too. Right. Like the house itself could have been a normal house in this movie and the movie would have been the same, kind of. Besides yeah, that, the mechanisms really for But um you know, it's, it's such a cool design. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm very happy that they went like above and beyond on the design of this house because like it it really, yeah, it really like plays and shows. So I'm a huge fan of that. Um, Author calls for his daughter and and runs out blocked by a new window that's moved in place of the entrance that was previously there. They continue moving as he calls for them. Meanwhile, Ben is is also in shock as the building shifts around him, it finally stopping, opening the room for the princess. Her glass door moves open. She approaches him with the knife as he claims that he was just kidding before as he steps back. (laughs) A glass door then slams shut between his body, causing him to be severed from the side. Yep. This is like this is that's another thing about impressive. this fucking movie. The kills are so impressive. Yeah. Not all of them, yeah. but like damn. I mean, this one in particular, like this one is I good. Was watching it and wondering how do they pull this off because his front half drags like, down before his back half. Too. It's and so it cool. genuinely looks like he was cut in half. Right. That's it crazy. Great. It looks great, yeah. and I love like when he when it slides through, it, he's pulled like his his, oh, his yeah. face is pulled back and oh. to simulate that like he is being fucking severed. And I'm like, dude, this is good. This yeah. is good. Even like this is a class A fucking kill right here. That's yeah. so goddamn yeah. good. Holy it is terrifying shit. to see her come out of her cage and like slowly come up to him too. Like, it's scary. This is just a scary She's thing. scary. Yeah. She is scary. The princess takes off his glasses and undoes his tie as he is severed uh, as his severed body drops, then the back falling shortly afterwards. She hears Arthur running upstairs looking for his kids and Maggie, going back to the spot where he told them not to leave, but they are obviously not there. They split up, Arthur wanting Dennis to uh, check downstairs as he goes up. Bobby continues riding his scooter down the hall as a faint, ghastly voice calls for him. Cut to Kathy in the bathroom fixing her hair. The camera moving through the glasses um, that are set are sitting close by, revealing the room actually covered in blood. The princess showing up behind her, fixing her hair before moving uh, the curtain to the bathtub. She doesn't notice as she continues fixing her hair in the mirror. This is one part that I don't understand, because um, they're not supposed to be able to come upstairs because of the containment spells that's surrounding the area. But I think it's yet, open now. Yeah, I think uh, this was they're still able to go downstairs too. There's no barrier the between them going up. Shifting of the walls, it like is constantly moving throughout the story, and it seems like there's just certain access points because of the combination of walls, right? Right. right. And the shifting. So I think at this, but moment, I thought that's it just what the floor was supposed to be for. Like when the floor illuminates it as well, uh, so they oh. can't float through the floor up. Maybe. Yeah, you yeah, might be right, Freddy. Because there has to be a <laughs> yeah. container, like a cube. So above, right. below, and everything needs to be that. Yeah, because, I mean, she's the only one that goes upstairs until, obviously, later. And then they right. all go up there. But, like, so only because she's the only the one that only goes door up that there. Opens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when right the now, other doors right open right. later, because, like, we have the boundless woman who's at the bottom of the steps. She never goes upstairs, but she can. She's not blocked. Right. But I don't know, whatever. 
Another piece of the machine switches on, causing the larger machinery to spin and twirl, closing more of the house and opening up other sections. Kathy is finally done doing absolutely nothing to her hair, shifting the curtains back <laughs> over the tub, not able to see the princess inside the blood-filled tub and the blood-soaked bathroom. The words... I'm sorry, written in blood on the floor. She ex- she's excited as she squeals, turning on the water inside the tub, feeling it in her hand as if she never felt water before. The princess is becoming more agitated as she continues to her- throwing water on her face. The water that turns <laughs> into blood. The- <laughs> I didn't mean to get me. you with that one. That one got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, wow, water. <laughs> I was like, you didn't have water at your apartment like what happened <laughs> the prince is ready to officially uh, make her strike that's that's the thing that I was I thought was so funny this time around was just like she's literally acting like she's never been in a house like she lived on the streets she's acting like she lived on the streets for the last six months like the yeah. most mundane things right now for her for her are getting her excited like what <laughs> like a mirror. You're telling me a mirror got you excited so you wanted to do your hair. You're telling me perfume got you excited so you wanted to put on perfume. You're telling me, like, what? I mean, yeah, her character was very much written to exude sex appeal, right? For right. sure. Like posing in the mirror, splashing water on her face in slow motion. <laughs> Later on, her fucking top gets <laughs> clawed into pieces. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. She literally was. The princess ready to officially make her strike, but she's saved as she's startled by her dad banging on the bathroom door. They should have fully committed here and she should have been stabbed. And her yeah, think- like dad coming in and she's like, oh, and he's like, oh what the yeah. fuck? Like, that would have been more kills. Yeah. That would have been incredible. And that it would have been, been awesome if she would have just been pulled into the tub Ooh. and no water. Because she didn't, she didn't release enough water, but no water, and she just pulled into the tub, and she's just trying to like fucking survive from this step. I, that would have been fucking incredible. I think that would have been fantastic. But also looking at it with the approach that they did go with, it makes sense, right? That the princess doesn't really touch her because right, she, the princess herself, very beautiful, right? Um, and that's the point. But seeing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all seeing this other beautiful woman, right? She's probably thinking, wow, she's so pretty. Why can't I be prettier like her, right? And that's the right. assumption. And yeah. it seems like she went through her own means and it could have been 
through insecurity, right? Yeah, for and sure. Like plastic surgery and things like exactly. that. Because if I remember correctly, I think she is addicted to plastic surgery. Right. Until she started cutting it to her own self. Right. Yeah. She starts like self-mutilating yeah. herself or something like that as well. Yeah. Um, because she was like, she did like like a certain blemish on her face or something right. like that. She was so. like never enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stories so for these people are so heartbreaking. Yeah, they yeah. are. They are. Except for the kids, kid. right? Yeah. Was yeah. the kid just a little shit? Or <laughs> yes, he was. He was literally just that. He was a fucking little shit. That. Um, he comes into the room asking her what she did, what she's what is she doing up there? She calls out to the bathroom. Um, is unbelievable. He quickly agrees, asking where her brother is. She is. Uh, she says that he's with Maggie, but Maggie appears at the door, admitting that he was with her, trying to explain what happened. But Arthur doesn't care, upset that she isn't doing what she's paid to do. I'm like, motherfucker, you don't even pay me that much. They both walk out of the bathroom to search for him. Bobby is having the time of his life, exploring with those glasses on as um, a machine opens up more rooms. The bound woman comes out to. Uh, comes out to him to come down the stairs or calls out to him to come down the stairs and come play. Thinking that Maggie, uh, thinking that it's Maggie, he calls out to her back. The bound woman calls out um, that she has something for him and that it'll be lots of fun. Still thinking that it's Maggie messing with him. He takes his scooter and heads downstairs. The voice of his mother is then heard. Jean, also known as the weather uh, lover, tells him to not come down there and to stay upstairs. The bound woman flashes in front of him, instructing him to come down there and go around the corner. The words of fighting uh, with the words fighting with Gene for him not to come down there, but he continues to go down in anyway. He shouts that he's, I'm assuming he can't hear it. Um, he shouts that he's going to tell dad as he continues, uh, through the hall. Author, Maggie, and Kathy head downstairs, wanting them to leave the house while he goes to look for Bobby. Kathy wonders why he's freaking out. He tells her not to argue with her as they, as they continue toward the front door, but it is closed off. He bangs on the door in anger as he as he cusses trying to break the window down uh, with a wooden chair just to break the chair instead did his comments that he's wasting his time since the place is sealed up while rubbing his temple with a uh, medicine bottle Kathy questions his wardrobe change but Arthur stops her as he asks about the house being sealed up Dennis sarcastically repeats it Kathy believing um, that there's another way out but he already looked Arthur tells him that they're going to look right after they find Bobby instructing him to get up Dennis declines expressing that he'll wait right there Arthur argues that he doesn't know what's, what's going on or who he is but his son is missing, not allowing him to leave his sight, yelling for him to get up. Dennis gets up after telling him to breathe. Maggie asking if the lure split as they uh, start th- as they start their search. This is great. Like, what happened to the lure? Did he split? <laughs> oh, I get it. Nonchalantly. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Clever. The machine continues moving as Bobby walks down the hall uh, where the boundless woman continues whispering for him. Two rooms open up with cackling accompanying the rooms behind uh, the rooms opening. He hears his name looking back as the as the rooms continue to open up. Still looking around, he comes to a point where he yells for them to stop hiding. I love this. Because it, it feels like he's also yelling at the ghost, right? Like, stop hiding. Yeah. Love it. Cut uh, cut back to everyone upstairs calling for Bobby. Dennis explaining that this glass is ectobar and he can't hear them because they uh, they are 
they are in a sound and shattered because they are sound and shatterproof. Maggie asks about the spells on the windows. He explains that they are containment spells that ghosts can't cross. Kathy smirks at, uh, in, as she questions this. He continues that the supernatural realm ha- um, have their certain laws for uh, for ghosts. Um, or excuse me, he continues that the supernatural realm um, and them have their own certain laws. For ghosts, it's spells. They've they've had enough and continued looking for Bobby as he continues explaining that the ghosts have to obey either what is written or spoken from those spells. Back inside the basement, Bobby comes across uh, the first ghost, the Boundless Woman, writhing and jolting as maggots crawl o- all over her face. He screams and makes a scoot for it down the hall. The Boundless Woman, easily... One of the scariest fucking ghosts in this movie. You think so? I hands down think so. I think she is scurry. The yeah, way she, I agree. and I think it's because of the way that her body is contorted. Yeah. It's not contorted like too bad. Like her arms are just behind her back. Like it's nothing crazy. Um, but it's just the the fact that she's just always in the the hung, the hung state as well. Oh, yeah. God damn. Just reminds me of uh, the bent neck lady from uh, Haunting the Pale House. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, meanwhile, Dennis shares that the entire basement is filled with ghosts. As Bobby continues running for his life, only to trip and fall <laughs> in front of the torso. What a terrible one to f- fucking fall in front of. I mean, that one's <laughs> right. definitely one of the scariest as well. Um, but like that one just traumatized this kid forever. Like, mm-hmm. no matter yeah, that he saved the torso itself, that fucked him up. Like, this fucking bag of a head screaming on the floor while this fucking legless and headless body oh, walks yeah. towards you. That's so Dude. much to see at that age. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. But this is so well done. It Holy is. shit. One of the best the, shots, honestly, with the torso. Oh my crawling god, forward. we needed yeah. so wow. much more of the torso. Yeah, we like did. this is the yeah, only like time we really Bobby get it. Like <laughs> oh, <Bobby. laughs> okay. we needed so much more than just the torso. That's for sure. Anyway. But like we did. Like we definitely needed really more of this fucking time. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis claims that they're give a hand to him. Oh okay. my god, oh stop my god. where you are. Yeah, you're, you're, stop, you gotta stop. <laughs> stop where you are. You already went two miles right. too far. Dennis claims that he could prove while uh prove while pulling out the glasses he calls spectral viewers, explaining that they uh, that you can see the ghosts with them, handing them to Maggie. She claims that she doesn't see any ghosts as he repeats that they are locked downstairs. She does share that she um, sees more spells on the floor. He takes the glasses back to see what she sees. Bobby, on the other hand, runs and screams for his dad, hitting a window and falling to the ground. Arthur continues calling for his son while Dennis understa- uh, doesn't understand why Cyrus needed more protection. Arthur tells him to stop... Uh, Stop with this until they find Bobby and get out of there. They head down, they head toward the basement stairs and, he, um, and he's about to walk down, but Dennis yells and stops him, yelling for him to wait, reiterating that there's ghosts downstairs. Author understands repeating that, um, he said they're, they're locked up. 
Dennis doesn't uh, doesn't care about to walk back. Arthur stopping him to uh, to reason with him, wanting to make a deal with him, willing to pay him whatever Cyrus owed him if he helps him find his son. Motherfucker, you don't got no money. Like, yeah, what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I was him, I'd have been like, I saw you pull up in a station wagon, my dude. I know you cannot <laughs> fucking give me the money that Cyrus owed me. Like get out of here. He reluctantly agrees, putting on uh, the glasses before walking downstairs. Cut to Bobby on the ground, his uh, name still being uh, called as another ghost tells him uh, to not be afraid. He hears his mom's voice telling him to get out of the basement and go upstairs. More ghastly laughter, shrills, and screams are heard surrounding him as Jean continues that he needs to put on the glasses. He puts them back on. She calls him a good boy as he, she approaches him in her hospital gown and half-burnt face. He calls out to her, as she continues instructing him to go back upstairs. He walks backwards until uh, until he's until his back hits the window. She tells him to watch out. When he turns around, Cyrus stands in front of him. He bangs on the window, and Bobby is gone in a flash while screaming. Two things. First thing. How did he do that with Bobby? Like, what do you mean? He just he's hits just the glass. Like, and, just, yeah. He doesn't vanish, I don't think. I was wondering the same thing. No, he thing. gets, like, swept up. Yeah. But but How? Like, yeah, like why? Why wasn't he just killed? Right, but he hmm. gets swept up. So okay, interesting. Um, and upon them getting swept up, does my dude Cyrus just have a fan blowing on him? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like all of us have fans blowing on them, <laughs> but he's not a ghost. I know. Oh yeah, hundred oh, <laughs> percent. I hella thought, even the second time watching, I thought he was a ghost here. And yeah, even oh, towards really? the end, yeah, I was <laughs> like, like dude, wait, again. so he's not? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not alive. a ghost. And yeah. yet, like, the wind and shit still blows on him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he put a performance out, so I guess maybe he had a little yeah, this man there. is a man of performance. Oh, for fucking sure. Like, I mean, this dude went super crazy on the uh, the makeup here for his neck. <laughs> yeah. So, because that's why I thought he was a ghost, because he... He, he had the windshield wiper yeah. fucking yeah. wound still. <laughs> I guess he was faking it at the opening. The I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw that as a kid, I was so afraid to touch windshield wipers. I used to think they were literal <laughs> blades because oh, of this movie man. as a child. Man, that's terrifying. Like, that's so funny. I'm just like, oh my god. They're not blades. It's fucking rubber. <laughs> like... I want to. I want to talk to the person who wrote that in. The crew all walk down the hall, yelling for Bobby. Dennis instructs them to uh, chill out and not scream, while the juggernaut paces back and forth. They continue walking. The torn prince taking a swing at them from behind the window. The sound of his bat faintly echoing through the halls, causing them, to, um, causing them not to notice. I love that sound design right here so much. Yes, like the the clank of the bat is fantastic for me. Dennis instructs him to go certain uh, to go a certain way to follow him. Arthur stops him, wanting to split up. Him and Kathy go one direction. Dennis and Maggie go the other. Okay. Dennis doesn't <laughs> want to split up. Arthur assuring him that they will meet back in, in the spot in five minutes. 
Maggie is nervous to go with him as they split up. Dennis and Maggie are discussing the ghosts that are inside the basement. He hands her the glasses uh, if she doesn't believe him. She puts them on, letting him know that she still doesn't see any ghosts. He takes the glasses back, remembering that they're they are all sealed. Um, that they were all sealed. Understand not understanding why they are now open. He turns. I'm like, bro, you really could like put two and two together that the shifting of the house opened these doors as well. Right. For real, you're right. He turns around just to get scared out of his wits by the hammer banging on the window. Dennis screams that he hates that um, when they wait for you to stick your face right in the glass, giving you a boo. Maggie is putting the glasses <laughs> on to see the hammer getting the uh, getting startled from Dennis. She looks at him in confusion as Dennis blabs about the ghost. She um, the hammer is looking at her, but continues looking at Dennis with disdain and hatred. She questions the ghost's actions, but Dennis doesn't uh, can't see since he's not wearing the glasses. He takes the glasses, putting them on um, to have the hammer pulling out a railroad stake embedded into his skin, banging on the window, scaring them again. Maggie had enough of this shit, pushing him out, um, pushing him out of there. So Dennis um, tells her to not touch him. He then turns <laughs> around and flips off the hammer, revealing his future death that he receives from the juggernaut. What, Bruh, You see his- that some of these fucking <laughs> doors are opening and shit. I know. Right. So like, proceed with caution here. Yeah, what are you thinking? Why would you provoke anything here? This still looks. Is it too. the the juggernaut that t- he he has a vision about the juggernaut taking him out, or is it the hammer? The juggernaut, because the juggernaut's oh, the one that like bangs him on the wall. God, is it? It's not. Is it both of them or just it's both the juggernaut? of them? It's both okay, of them yeah, technically. Okay. Yeah, because the, the hammer hits him, um, hits him, and then the juggernaut is the one that kind of takes him and throws him against the wall and whatnot. How how terrifying to like. In just envision how you die and knowing that it's like stuck with it's you in that house, yeah. Like, like you know, it's coming, it's soon. gonna happen. It's not even like, yeah, 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 that's so scary, man. I mean, he couldn't that so raving the shit out of this one, so it is what it is. <laughs> Cut to Arthur and Kathy finding um, Bobby's glasses as um, and his microphone. He picks it up, rewinding it. Um, you know, the more you think about that so raven, the more it doesn't make sense. That's all I gotta oh, say. Not at all. Like it's just yeah. like, wait, she's a high school kid, a home and then that all, big so in San like, Francisco. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. God, that it was in San Francisco. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, is it? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. it it was based in San Francisco, like straight in the heart of the city. Yeah, like, and it was one of those fucking Victorian houses. Which yeah. those houses aren't that big, y'all. Like, if you see or those Victorian modern. houses, they're not that big <laughs> or that modern. Like, they do open up straight to the living rooms, though. That's true. <laughs> um, got to author and Kathy finding Bobby's glasses and, um, and his microphone. He picks it up, rewinding it and playing it, um, playing it, but immediately stopping as Bobby screams fills the room. She reassures him that he's going to be okay and that they'll find, they'll find him. Back with Dennis and Maggie, she's, uh, as she comments that she's ready to leave this place. They pass the jackal's room, um, being open. He stops when he realizes that the jackal is out. He compares the jackal to Charles Manson, commenting that he's out, that he's, uh, that if he's out, then they need to forget about Bobby and get out of the basement immediately. 
He compared him to Charles Manson. I feel like the Jackal was way worse than Charles Manson, but... Oh, for sure. Hey. The Jackal feels like the the top dog of Ghost here. I, I, I think, think so, of, too. I think of the Hammer, and I think of the Jackal, of like the scariest ghost in here by a long shot. Fair. Definitely the most violent. Yeah. Definitely the most violent. And the Juggernaut. The Juggernaut's also pretty violent, but Juggernaut right. doesn't really look scary. He just yeah, looks he's tall. Scary. He's just like, he'll fuck you up. Right. Yeah. Like, I have to do say, it's like, there's a lot of good effective jump scares in this movie. And the Jackal, oh, yeah. which we're about to talk about, got me. And I was like, damn, not this that one. That fucking Jackal is <laughs> still great. got me. That Jackal's yeah. great, man. That, yeah, I, I love him. Great design. Yeah. Kathy and her father continue down the hall. She, um, sh- uh, sh- uh, I wrote that incorrectly here. Uh, she thinks that Dennis was right about there being ghosts down there. He stops her, yelling for her to think about what she's saying, that there's no go- there's no such thing as ghosts. He continues down the hall. She puts on the glasses, revealing the fucking jackal standing right in front of her, screaming. <laughs> so she good. screams as, she, as he takes her for a ride. And if you look closely, like it looks like they're just like floating together on the floor. But if you look closely, he's kicking like the ground, like he's like riding oh, her like damn. a skateboard. Oh, and I'm like, damn. dude! While he's like, like slicing and dicing her ass, she screams as he takes her for a ride, dragging for her down the, um, dragging her down the hall, picking her up. Arthur runs after her. The jackal scratching her as he as she screams in the air. And this dude has fucking telekinesis, bro. What? How are you scratching <laughs> her with both hands? And she's just in the air screaming. What the fuck? Uh, Arthur pulls her by the legs, yelling for her to um, tell her where it is and um, that he can't see it. They have a tug of war match as she continues screaming for her dad to help her and get the ghost off. Kalina uh, shows up out of fucking nowhere, throwing a flare at the jackal. They find it, um, they find it a better idea to just pull Kathy down the hall instead of quickly helping her, um, up so she could just run by herself. What? (laughs) Fucking pull, pick her up. And like, be like, all right, now run. Like, you you didn't get your legs scratched. Like, you could right. you should be able to run. Come on. So it you're just cool gonna POV drag this girl. Though. Oh yeah, that's all but it was for. Time, like said, it was so we can time. get a better chase scene for the jackal. Of right. course, to look like, up that once makes towards sense. the jackal running down the hallway. Terrifying. Right. That's effective. It's yeah. so effective. It very much is effective. <laughs> It's really dumb later, but yeah, continue. It does, it does. But I want to ask a question: Do you think Kalina was all already there? Is she just, just waiting? Watching. She's like, yeah. Yeah. "Now's my chance." I feel like she had heard the commotion and she went there. You know what? She I what? think. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, we well, should... she was for sure already. Like, are you talking about like her being already in the building, or yeah, before they got there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I think she just found them right now where she heard that commotion. That's where she wants to make her entrance and look like a hero. Well, right. Yeah. That, that part makes sense. But yeah. I was just thinking like she claimed that she got in from a, a opening in the house. Nah, she was there for sure. And I don't think so. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean an opening oh, in the fucking house? Yeah. She was like, always there waiting. She has, uh, Cyrus was probably already. In there too, waiting as well. Oh yeah, 
the way that these halls are fucking moving and crazy. Like, yeah. absolutely. Meanwhile, Maggie and Dennis run into the firstborn son. He gets frozen in fear, instructing her not to speak or move. And, and that, uh, and that they somehow got behind enemy lines. You know, this is, I hate this. And the only reason why I hate this is because of the fact that they make it seem like this kid is the worst ghost of them all. And all he does is fucking smile. True. It stare yeah. at you. They just needed like, to have more of the ghosts like execute, do stuff. right? Yeah. yeah. Like I wanted the programmers to do something. They, like, like I said, this movie, or well, I didn't say this, I said it in my head, but this movie... <laughs> would have been be- more effective for the ghosts. Obviously, this probably would have been a slightly larger budget, but this movie would have been more effective if the ghosts, if they would have done the haunted of uh, the House on Haunted Hill style, where it's like contestants go in the house and try to win money. Like This would have worked a little bit better based off of that. And maybe author came in in this thing trying to win this money for his family and then... You could still pull the same antics of his kids being taken. All of a sudden, at the end of the party, when everyone's all fucking dead and shit, his kids show up in the middle of the floor. He's like, oh, no, I got to sacrifice myself. And then, you know, it's like, <laughs> like you could go into it that way. Right. But like, it would have been a lot more useful for these ghosts to really fuck some shit up because they didn't get to do shit. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm. Man. TV series. I, I would do it. Each, I'm telling each you. episode would be a ghost. Ooh. Yep. And actually mm-hmm. shows like oh, yeah. the person when they were alive and then how they got there. This feels like That'd it could have been a great 2000s TV show. Like a one season run. I agree. <laughs> Just one All season. in the house. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a limited series style. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. yeah. I mean, I agree. I'll pitch it. <laughs> Kathy is being dragged um, dragged away from the jackal chasing after them. Dennis and Maggie walk backwards as he mocks the uh, the kid. She argues <laughs> that he uh, should she should not be teasing the ghost. He tells her to shut up as she throws it back back at him, making a good point about him being the one to piss them off. He repeats for her to go as they uh, keep running. The others finally make it away from the jackal as the slate of glasses closes behind them, cutting the gla- the ghost off while it scratches at the window. Dennis uh, Dennis stops Maggie in fear because of the princess. She. She yells that she can't see, see shit without the glasses. He tells her to move out of the way as the princess approaches her with the knife. It cutting to Kathy crying in her dad's arms as, as he uh, covers her with a jacket. He <clears throat> he asks uh, Kalina if, who she is and what the hell was that. She introduces herself. Sharing that she uh, frees trap souls and, and uh, about to explain what she did against Cyrus. He yells for her to forget about that, wondering what she's do- what she is doing there. Motherfucker, you asked who I was. I'm trying to tell you who I am. Like, what are you talking about, man? Damn. You'll ask me and then not be interested anymore. She rebuttals <laughs> that she's saving his ass. Kathy jumps in fear when she looks up at the glass with the jackal continuing to still be behind it. Kalina impatiently instructs her to give him the glasses. He, uh, she hesitates before giving her dad the glasses. I'm just like, what'd you hesitate for? Take them out there. It's off. That, it's scary. 
You don't want to see this anymore. <laughs> yeah, He's in scary. shock as he watches from the current safe position, Kalina calling it another victim of Cyrus, hoping that uh, that barrier spells hold. He confuses, uh, he's confused. She explains that he had a habit of enslaving souls. Hmm. Okay. He's, conf- uh, damn, uh, that being the reason why she's there, intending to set them all free. Author asks uh, how she got inside. She shares that she slipped through the hole through a hole while the house was shifting, but now it's closed. Mm, take me to the hole. Story. Yeah, yeah like can take but me honestly, there. It is a very believable lie because the house is continuously shifting, right? So it is. It's not right. far fetched to think she was outside, saw the gears grinding, the cubes moving, and saw opening and hopped in. Indiana Jones style. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she brings out the book of the um, Arcanum. I might be butchering the way that's... Um, Arcanum? Arcanum. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Um, showing and educating him that it is uh, written in the 15th century by an astrologer named Basilius. She describes that he believed the making of a machine that she, that can see into the future, writing it, uh, writing it while he was under demonic possession. Not believing that Cyrus built the Basilius device and they are, um, and they are in, in the quote, middle of a machine designed by the devil and powered by the dead. End quote. By the way, sirens are on my end, if you can hear that. Author explains that he doesn't give a shit about any of this. He uh, just wants want to get his family out of here. Kalina reiterates the reason why he why she came there, needing his help first. He looks back towards his daughter, but she's gone. He screams for her, but Kalina st- uh, spots the firstborn son. She tells him that they have to go. He looks over at the dead kid. They slowly move out of its path. Once again, like, what the fuck? This kid seems harmless right now. <laughs> like, yeah, granted, yeah, he again, looks yeah. scary. Sure. An arrow through his head. Which his story was so funny to me. <laughs> so you're saying if you saw this kid, you just look at him and be like, what the fuck are you going to do? Take your arrow no, out of your head and throw it at me? <laughs> I mean, he does have an axe. But at the same time, it's just like, okay. We see... We know that they can touch us, right? These ghosts can touch us. Does that mean in return I can touch them? Move the fuck out of my way, kid. Move out of my way. Move, move. Get out of here. You're doing nothing to me. The machine continues spinning and the house continues shifting. Dennis spots some stairs from the window and heads that direction with Maggie in front. They spot, uh, they stop when the house shifts again. She runs back, back inside, or she runs back into him. He yells not to touch her as the wall shifts inward. He drops the glasses, but picks them up and throws them to her instead. He, um, which, Okay. Uh, granted, I think it was him just being nice. Like, here, take him so you can see and get the fuck out of here. But even though she waits <laughs> yeah. for him, um, he's trapped inside the room. He gives her a sarcastic good job as she apologizes. I thought you can't hear through the, uh, through the windows. Yep. You're totally right. I mean, granted, <laughs> it, I guess he, you can read lips, but 
We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Cut to Arthur and Kalina hitting another dead end. He wonders about how they how they get to the stairs on the other side of the glass. She repeats for him to move away from the glass. He uh, he doesn't understand why. When he looks back, the hammer is standing right in front of the glass. They back away slowly as the jackal anticipates their path, running towards them. The ghost runs into another glass wall. Meanwhile, Dennis seems to be getting hurt by something. Maggie not not being able to see until she puts on his glasses, uh, seeing him getting hit by the torn prince. She instructs him to duck and move as he continues to take swings at Dennis. Another door opens as he somersaults out before getting hit again. Once again, I thought there's the room was supposed to be soundproof. Like, yeah. All yeah. right. Kalina Kalina looks at the blueprint of the house, knowing that they made it that they need to make it to the library since it has spell protections all over it. Author wonders where that is from there. They both look up. Back with Dennis and Maggie going up uh, the set of stairs, she hopes to rely um she hopes to rely on him on not getting her killed. While the other two are climbing up a set of wires to make it upstairs, Dennis looks around a corner, not seeing anything, thinking that the ghosts are downstairs. He carefully looks through the glass, still not seeing anything. Kalina gets her glass plate open, asking Arthur to uh, for the flare. Dennis gets uh, more painful visions, Maggie not wanting him to start freaking out on, on her. <laughs> he shakes them off, continuing down the hallway, stopping stopping in their tracks when he sees the dire mother and the great child holding hands with an axe uh with an axe at the end of the hall. Yeah, he's scary. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I love how the mom is like smiling. Like, look at me and my son. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Dude, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess it's pretty clear what it is. It grosses me out so much when I see them. Like, I just felt icky. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he is a big-ass baby with vomit on his chest. Yeah. And he's only in a fucking diaper. There's a lot of details (laughs) that just causes uncomfortability. You're just like, nah. Yeah, for sure. And like, what makes it more uncomfortable is just like, how does she birth that thing? You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, God. I didn't even think about <laughs> that. Now I'm even more just like, ah. That, that guy so creepy. is huge. And it's assuming that he was this big since uh, he was a baby or something. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That poor lady. He was a wee child uh, until he got way big. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so creepy. Maggie doesn't doesn't want to see uh, doesn't want to see as he can constantly tells her to be quiet. Author um, and Kalina still work on to get upstairs as the hammer patiently watches them from his bound window down the hall. Dennis instructs Maggie to move slowly as as he keeps his eye on them, then runs down the hall. Uh, on this part here, Freddie, doesn't it look like the glass is broken? Like, uh, it looks part? like the glass is shattered. Oh, yeah. When Dennis, well, Dennis instructs Maggie up. to move slowly as he uh, keeps an eye on them uh, down the hall. Like, it, it looks like it's broken. Super interesting. Uh, I think that section is just, like, the way it's designed. It looks broken. It's like one of those, like, um, you see them a lot in churches or, like, doors that have, like, like glass, glass doors. Glass. So like, yeah, but not as, like, stained glass. It just looks, like, broken and it's kind of, like... Uh, how would you say it's like tinted Broken in the way? Like the texture. 
Yeah, where you can't look inside in a way. Yeah, textured oh, glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you're yeah. talking about, like on showers and all that. Right. Kind of exactly like showers. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They run into Kalina and um, and Arthur coming up from the ground, wondering why she's there. Arthur is still underneath, the door opening up for the hammer. He panics as he calls out to them and tries climbing up the wires, the hammer barely missing him as he makes it up there. Kalina shares the directions on where they uh, need to head toward next. Dennis not wanting to trust her, but Arthur tells him to. The, um, they move down the hall, Maggie not understanding who she is. <clears throat> Uh, they move around one, they move around one of the corners with, with Kalina in the lead. Dennis asks about Kathy. Arthur reveals that, uh, she disappeared. Dennis asks the insensitive question about how he loses an entire family inside of a glass house. What's what? Bro, y'all lost <laughs> each other. What, what are you talking about? Bro. He mean mugs Dennis before walking away as Dennis experiences more painful visions. The jackal moves onto Arthur, um, getting straight fucked up as he shreds into his back. Dennis runs, um, to Kalina to make the, to take the flare, throwing it at the jackal. They run over to his aid as the pilgrimess appears from down the hall. I love how she appears too because she can't walk straight. So she has to appear sideways and she comes to the fucking oh, yeah. Wall. It's a really She's good design. Stuck inside the little thing that's great man that sucks <laughs> like just for eternity you're just stuck in that thing that seems so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that you got neck problems yeah <laughs> jason after them as they uh make it as they make it into the library shutting the glass door shut locking her out catching her breath was she just gonna ram into them and like that's yeah. it 100 <laughs> that's her move <laughs> That was like a full bull charge right there. Yeah, it's like, just gonna ram into them. Like, what's that? Her happening? head falls off because it's too much trauma. To, like the wood. Shit. Now she's the torso. Catching her breath, Dennis comments. Um, catching their breath, Dennis comments uh, that he hates this job. Kalita sarcastically wondering why they uh, don't like him much. Um, she yells that this is all his fault. He. Uh, if he wouldn't have caught them, then they wouldn't be running from them now. He argues that the, that it was Cyrus that built the house. She rebuttals that he helped him, questioning him how he could do that without knowing what was going on. He money. What the fuck? He claims that he has reasons, but she knows that it, uh, he did it for money. He yells that he uh, he's a bit of a freak, quote unquote, and not like a freak like uh, uh, like. He's a he's a freak that like like oh no like no one likes me. <laughs> I'm different. <laughs> Since he comes into within ten feet of anything dead, and he has seizures. <laughs> I love that if people don't know the context of what we're doing from like the previous episode, people are just like, oh why God. are they going? <laughs> I don't know get all. This is their first episode uh, listening to us. Uh, they had me until now. Yeah, I don't even remember why we did. But this was um, because of the, the antenna on the head. Right? It's like when it gets yeah, erect. Yeah. The very phallic thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what movie it was. I don't know. Yeah, from beyond. beyond. From beyond. beyond. Dude, I've never seen anything hornier since. Oh my god. My penile <laughs> gland. <laughs> I've never seen something like, so my goodness. 
That was fantastic. That was absolutely fantastic. Anyway, it flashes in front of his eyes, considering himself to be depra- deprived, but Cyrus accepted him. Uh, she, or not deprived, depraved uh, is what I meant to say. Um, she laughs that he didn't accept him. He used him. Author tells him that both, uh, tells them both to shut up, asking them what difference does it make? It's funny because she says this and she's like not realizing that he's completely using her too. Hmm. Yeah. So what um by the way everybody if you don't know already this episode is definitely going to be over two hours uh it's Mm -hmm. our special episode right now we're reminiscing uh (laughs) she looks back at uh, she looks at dennis knowing that he didn't tell arthur yet she mentions the fourth ghost dennis pleads for him not to tell him um but she believes that he has the right to know Arthur asks about the fourth ghost kalina begins to jog his memory when she mentions saint luke's hospital six months ago Arthur cried it would have been hilarious if we'd be like what what like, like what happened? What happened at St. Luke's Hospital six months ago? Like, <laughs> author cries, trying to understand um, that his wife's spirit is trapped inside this house, or trying to understand why his his wife's spirit is just trapped inside the house. Dennis remarks that he didn't know him or her, not knowing that uh, she had a husband. He punches Dennis in the face, questioning why he chose her. Dennis rebuttals that he doesn't know why, but Cyrus handpicked them all, including Arthur's wife. He claims that he's trying to help. Arthur argues that Kalina is right about this being his fault. She, uh, like, hey, man, you weren't saying that before it was your wife, man. You give a shit about these fucking people before it was your wife. <laughs> You're just as bad. She calls him back, letting him know that, uh, he can, he can, um, he can save her and his kids too. She explains that this house is a machine. It being a uh, com- uh, it being a complete and faithful creation, the Basilius is designed. She shares that there's uh, there should be twelve earthbound spirits that are trapped inside the machine. She opens it, revealing the, um, that they all represent the best fucking name in the world. It's so cool. It's so metal. It's called the Black Zodiac, the ghost that Cyrus hey. needed to catch. The Black Zodiac. What a fucking name, dude. What? So sick. Let's go. But we do our official roll call. The firstborn son, the torso, the bound woman, the withered lover. He touches the book as uh, as he thinks about his wife, the torn prince, the angry princess, the pilgrimess, the great child and the dire mother, the hammer, the jackal, the juggernaut. Last one. According to Basilius, the machine required the energy of these specific spirits in order to bring it to life. The spirits being released one by one as the machine draws them into the center, feeding their energy to it. He wonders what this is all for. Kalina reveals that it's to open the Ocularis Infernum. He, uh, he translates it into the eye of hell. He, uh, he wants her to go on. And I love Maggie's reaction to all this, where she's like, I'm stuck Me in this too. house with all these crazy ass white people. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I am hell. Of course. Of course it is. She yeah. continues that there's, um, that there's an eye in hell that she see, that sees the past and the future, heaven and earth, the blessed and the damned. If knowledge is considered power, then the person who controls the ocularis would be the most powerful person on earth, his uncle. 
Author wonders how many ghosts have been set free. She shares that 11, but the house needs 12. Dennis remembers that Damon says something about the 13th ghost. She explains that the 13th ghost is a failsafe in, in a willing Cuban sacrifice. The sacrifice of a broken heart. The only ghost to be created out of pure love. They re realize that Arthur is now considered the 13th ghost. Huh. Yep. She concludes that the thirteenth spirit stands before the eye during configuration, and has it. And as it opens, the spirit uses the power of of life to short circuit the system. Anyway, <laughs> and I love how Maggie chimes in. She's like, "Oh hell no, Arthur! I know you know about to do this right now." <laughs> like, what I the love fuck? Like, listen to this shit. She's in, great. In these scenes, yeah, because she's just like. Hearing all this is such BS, right? It's like for real. What? what? Ugh, man, yeah. So you know what's I, great? I, this this what? also plays into the two thousands as well. But I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but there were so at this time, it was like the thing to do to put rappers in movies. Yep. I oh, think yeah. about that at all this the time. time. Like we had DMX Dude. and Romeo Must Die. We had Ludacris and Too Fast, Too Furious. We had Rod Digger and Thirteen Ghosts. We had fucking Busta Rhymes in Halloween <laughs> H2O. Or was that Resurrection? I can't remember. We had LL fucking Cool J in Deep Blue Sea. Like, we, like what the fuck? I loved, I loved watching anything with Method Man and Red Man in it. We, <laughs> fair. <laughs> There. Well, how high? Let's get it. <laughs> Maggie chimes in, questioning Arthur taking this leap, telling her no way, knowing that, um, or telling him no way, knowing that it is suicide. Kalina questions, talking, to, um, talking toward him, claiming that the love is the most powerful energy. This fucking what? This lady is straight up letting saying like, "All right, you could save your kids if you kill yourself." I'm like, For wait, real. hold, hold the fuck up, hold on. You telling me there's no other in. way, right? Like. Come on. In order to save his children, then he would have to trade his life for theirs. Dennis takes the book, trying to search for another way. Kalina pulls out the other plan by throwing all of her dynamite on, on the table. I'm like, fuck it, let's try that. Dennis understands <laughs> why he, he has to right? do this, explaining um, that they linked earlier. I would be like, I would say, like, all right, let's try at least one on a window. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah, let's just, I mean, like, we find out later yeah. on explosions definitely do work. Yep. Oh, they true. definitely do. Him seeing everything uh, uh, about him and Gene, Arthur doesn't want want to hear it as he moves away from him. He's willing to do anything to save his kids, but Dennis doesn't believe that this adds up. Arthur um, doesn't give a shit, knowing that none of this makes sense, but he wants to make sure to save his kids, even though he doesn't know that they are st even still alive. Dennis suggests for them to go back out there one last time to find out. Arthur thinks about the about it for a moment before turning to Kalina to make sure that she's able to stop the machine. She's confident that her dynamite will get the job done. He t he asks about how many flares uh, she has left so they can go in one last time. Maggie is not liking this idea, thinking that they'll get himself 
himself that he'll get himself killed, but he suggests that they'll take the glass door. Dennis and Arthur pick up the glass, Kalina sharing that they have about 10 minutes before everything goes down. She opens the door for them, letting them know that they will go downstairs to try um, and buy them some time. Maggie and Kalina drop down from the uh, from the ground with the flare first. She hands Maggie some glasses so, uh, so they can start making their way down the hall. Meanwhile, Dennis and Arthur are holding the, uh, the glass while walking through the hall continuously. Dennis repeating that there's no place like home until Arthur tells him to knock it off to, and to keep his eyes open. They rotate the panel to continue uh, down the hallway, back with Maggie and Kalina finding the lawyer's body on the ground. <clears throat> Was the briefcase there, Freddie? When they find him on the ground? <clears throat> Excuse me. Because he had the briefcase when he died. Right. But I'm curious if it's still there. Because if it is, I would have taken that briefcase. <laughs> it's slowly getting to that scene right now. Okay. 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 They're talking about the next to the, the lawyer. Yeah. Briefcase yeah. is there and the money yeah, is actually spilled out on the there. ground. Yeah. The money spilled on the ground. Yes. Yep. So they, like, they it's in the bag falling out. Well, uh, would you have gone to get it? No. No? Hell yeah. Shit, I would have gotten that, that shit. I show it's enough time for that. It is more than enough time for that. I would if you I was make- Maggie, I would be like, okay, hold up. Like, yeah, he looks horrible. He's dead and shit. But I'm gonna go pick up that cash. <laughs> yeah, you gotta make it all worth this it. My overtime. <laughs> Exactly. Fuck this. Y'all got me dealing with ghosts and shit. I'm picking that up. The two men continue. That's what I'm saying. The two men continue down um, as they're low. As there's low growling as they move deeper down the hall. While Kalina finds the location of the heart of the machine, she is in absolute awe as Maggie falls behind her. But she's terrified as she yells uh, for her to hurry up. She's like, "Girl." The door to the tour prince opens up. He takes multiple swings at the glasses. Dennis and Arthur run run to ram him up against the wall. All all while this crazy shit is uh, is going on. Cyrus pops in, startled um startled and Maggie yelling for Kalina as the flare isn't working against them. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> what if they like ram the torn prince into the wall and then he just appears behind them? <laughs> oh, that'd be wild. That'd be funny. Oh fuck, that would have sucked. Um, Kalina smiles as she takes the book, hitting Maggie in the head, knocking her out. And I love Maggie in this moment. She's like, "Girl, this fucking flare is not working." <laughs> she takes her glasses off. Cyrus um, and her laughing and smiling. She kisses him. He uh, he's only interested what? in the track that's supposed to be on in the book, but he can't find it. Becoming more angry as he res- wonders where the spells are. She doesn't understand why he's so upset as she reveals that he killed that she killed Damon and stole his spells and allowed Arthur to stay alive. He asks um he asks her where the spells are. She pu- um pulls them out of her bag, asking if he's mad at her. He claims that he isn't. Mm. I hate this transition and how she's written. It feels it sucks. It's so it's, one dimensional. It makes no sense for her. Yeah. It makes yeah. zero sense for her. Like, she was such a badass, and now all of a sudden, like, I get it. You're working alongside him. I don't know what the fuck he promised her. It's too fast of a like, twist, too. Like, she explains everything that. to him, and it's like, boom, just kidding. I'm right. a part of it. Then why even tell them everything about the, like, the machine? But whatever. 
to set the stage for him to actually do it, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Nice like to question. set the stage for him to kill himself for right. his children. Interesting. But, yeah. She's just a plot point then. Exposition. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. That's all she is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a plot point. Cut to Dennis and Arthur in the hallway after they take care of the torn prince. Dennis gets a flash as the hammer appears from down the hall. He pushes Arthur behind the glass so he can protect him. The hammer takes a swing after he, uh, he calls him, uh, a bitch. And you're like, Okay. But it starts to dodge all of his swings. The door to the juggernaut opens up. He looks over at him, the, um, that allowing the, the hammer to connect his sledge. Um, excuse me, let me re- reread this part over. The, the door to the juggernaut opens up. He looks over, t- uh, over to the juggernaut. That allowing enough time for the hammer to connect his sledge arm to Dennis's head. He squeals in, in pain as the juggernaut comes up to him to grab him after the hammer takes one more shot at his back. Or excuse me, not his head, his hand. Um, and he takes one more shot at his back. The juggernaut smashes him from wall to wall, then picking him, his body up to bend it against the corner of the wall, dropping his body as, um, as he's through with him. You know, this is a great kill, Cran. <laughs> However, brutal. This was the wrong time to use slow motion because you 100% could tell that it's a doll. A dummy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still point, yeah. effective, like, oh, body shouldn't bend that way. So you just use your imagination. Well, oh, sure. Body, and of course, the use of the cracking sure. bones. Yeah. And the use of the cracking bones is definitely helpful too, right? But yeah. it's just like, you can tell it's a dummy. And I would have loved if this was just sped up. Like, not sped up, but like just regular, just regular frames. Just how it was for when the guy got pulled into the car and bent backwards. That looks great. And it still yeah. looks real because it was still in real time. So, yeah. Kalina asked Cyrus about uh, what they're going to do now, knowing that Arthur is willing to sacrifice himself for his kids, but only if they're in jeopardy. He demands her to put them in jeopardy. She doesn't understand since they are only children, but for him, uh, for him, greatness requires sacrifice. Shouting for her to do it, she agrees, and um, and he begins to track. He begins the track for the spells. All the ghosts uh, disappear to follow the sound of the chants. Arthur drops down, about to cry, but Jean appears in front of him. He cries that he loved and misses her, thinking that uh, thinking that she, he's he's nothing without her. She places her hand on the glass before disappearing, more angelic than than the others. He takes his he takes off his glasses, sobbing for her not to go. Cyrus is fucking ready though. He instructs Kalina to fetch the book just so, to shut her out. Why? Like, I don't understand why he why he even did this. Mm-hmm. What the fuck was the point of her? I was wondering to tell, the same to thing. tell him the, that, like, hey, this is what the machine is. Right. Who cares? <laughs> He'll see his fucking kids stuck in this goddamn machine when they put pull them up. But just be, uh, maybe because like he needed to agree first in order for to become the thirteenth ghost. Right? Yeah, because they mentioned that it has to be willingly. Right. Right. But I'm not gonna lie. If I see my kids stuck inside of a thing, like I'm gonna try everything I can to get get them out. But I think what the the portion that makes more sense now that I'm thinking about it is she did say the only way to save your kids if you is if you sacrifice yourself. So yeah, I guess that's what she was needed for. 
but I, it still doesn't mean it, like I still don't get the kill. But whatever. Um, her kill was also kind of lame to me. <laughs> it was it was a very lackluster. Very lackluster. Kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, she doesn't understand as he reiterates the greatness uh, requires sacrifice. The walls to her room um, close on her, smashing her face. Cuts of um, Kathy and Bobby in the center of the room, the floor opening up around them as they are in the center. Arthur hears them. Pushing the glass off of him, he runs over to them. They call out to him. He puts on the glasses again, seeing all of the ghosts circling around the spinning blades. He looks over to his right, seeing Cyrus in the hallway, remembering what Kalina said about the, this place being a machine. He counts all of the ghosts that are on their tile of the Black Zodiac, remembering that the, that he's the 13th ghost, knowing that Cyrus isn't actually dead. He goes after him, yelling for him to release his kids while punching him. But Cyrus gains the upper hand, calling him a loser that he dedicated his entire life to this. Questioning his dedication as Cyrus continues to belittles him, wanting him to make the leap because the machine won't work without this sacrifice. You know what's great? The machine was working. And you know why the machine was working? Because the 13th ghost was already sacrificed because Dennis was technically the 13th ghost. Oh, yeah. It's a really good thing. Dennis sacrificed himself for Uh, Arthur to stay alive, willingly doing this. True love. True love. He loved him. (laughs) He loved him. Well, this is the thing. It was the fact that, like, with him being the person that he was only loving himself and only caring about himself that to me was the best character development for him because of the fact that it got to a point where he's like i can't care about myself anymore like i'm useless like i and he hates his life he hates like the the fact that he's always hungry for money and all this whole other stuff which allowed him to put his his time and effort into another person. Well, he, he even he tells Arthur, it. right? He tells yeah, Arthur he, in that moment, like, "Allow me to like myself." Yeah, and it's just, not only that. He explains earlier that he there's a um, something that happens with psychics uh, pairing when they can. Yeah, envision. they're linked, right? Yeah, they're linked, linking. Yeah, or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and he becomes. You can tell, like. And I didn't realize this the first time I watched it, but after that moment, he becomes completely empathetic to everything that's happening to these people. And he's really trying to help. And I think that also leads to this self-sacrifice because he truly did link and create this like bond or pair through that like uh, psychic interaction. And I think he, he genuinely just was like, I need to do this for this person. So yeah, totally. 13th goes right there. (laughs) Yeah. That being the reason uh, why <clears throat> he chose Arthur, congratulating him on becoming the 13th ghost. They are interrupted as a, as the chants become distorted and mixed because of Maggie messing with the mixer. I'm like, I don't think that's how that works, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looked like those were things to just turn it up and down. <laughs> You're right. Um, Arthur hits his cane blade combo, then kicks him over his son's scooter that just appears out of nowhere. Look closely, Freddy. The scooter is there, my friend. He, tr- <laughs> he kicks him and he trips over the scooter. I'm telling you, that just was a fucking production callback. It like it what? Come on. Why? Because. 
I love it. D- yeah. The ghosts all disappear from their locations as Maggie continues fucking, tw- uh, fucking with the twisted machine. It jolts as it becomes more stuck behind her. The sets of ghosts all grab Cyrus, picking him up as he screams the best scream ever. <laughs> they throw him inside the spinning blade, severing his body parts. Dennis appears to Arthur, giving him the courage to save his children. He looks at the spinning machine, realizing that it flattens out after a while, just like a video game. The machine explodes around them, around them, breaking the glass. He makes a jump for it at the right time, holding on to his kids as the place becomes a detonated bomb. The ghosts all leave out of the house, disappearing back as their souls are freed to go back to killing people. Shout out to Jackal getting the last laugh, too. Fucking amazing. He's so iconic. Really? So yeah, iconic. he gets the last laugh. It's like Hell He's yeah. the last ghost to leave, and he gets the official last laugh out of all the ghosts. <laughs> I thought that was great. Um and what's also great as well, the Jackal's technically considered a quote-unquote lunatic. He makes his laugh when he looks up at the moon. Oh, <laughs> sick. Yeah, I love how animalistic he is in all yeah. regards. Yeah. Author checks to make sure they're okay, not knowing if, they're, um, if they were going to be okay or not, just not wanting to leave them all. Jean appears as, as her pre-burnt self. They all, call, they all can see her without the glasses as she says she loves them. Fade to Maggie uh, walking through the wreckage, absolutely done with this shit, quitting on the spot. Then credits. <laughs> and then we get Rod Digga's song playing for the credits. And he's like, mirror, mirror on the wall. (laughs) God damn, this movie's fucking rolls, dude. Yeah, it does. This movie fucking rolls. Anyway, I got some motherfucking movie facts for us. Movie facts? In the movie, the characters need special glasses to see the ghosts. In the original 13 Ghosts back in 1960, viewers needed special glasses to also see the ghosts. Um, this is one of the few sure. details the original um, from the original that was kept. That's cool. Did the one in the 60s have those cool little lights on the side? I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> Just regular glasses. <laughs> Uh, the effect Spooky for glasses. the torso was achieved using double a double amputee, amputee wearing a special black hood. Holy fuck! Um, that could be uh, used to digitally remove his head. Oh god! Wow. It looked so legit. So they did a great job with that. Yeah. Wait a second. Hold on. I, I just I want us to like genuinely think about the first fat fun fact I just said. In the original 13 Ghosts in 1960s, viewers needed special glasses to see the ghosts. They were given, yes, the audience were given glasses to see the ghosts. No way. How do you even accomplish that? I don't know. Like, I have no idea. If that's the case, if there's like a way to watch the movie without ever seeing the ghost, or you can see it with only the glasses, that would be incredible. Holy shit. I wonder, like, what? I, like, I feel like I need to look that up more. That's not right? too good to be true. Yeah, seriously. Um, let's keep going. Many viewers <laughs> complained that the movie had a lot of strobe lighting and flashy editing, making it physically painful to sit through. Damn, I can see that. Painful. 
all of the all of the creature makeup created for the film, the ang- uh, the Angry Princess, by who played by Shauna Lawyer, required the longest time to apply at, at for at five hours. Oh my god! Damn, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, a lot. This is Shauna Lawyer's only film. She attracted a small cult following thanks to her brief role as the Angry Princess. A rumor circulated that the role was actually played by porn actress Ariella Giovanni using a pseudonym, but it is incorrect. Miss Giovanni was actually in an adult parody called, titled 13 Erotic Ghosts. <laughs> oh my god. Great title. Shouts out. The first Shouts film out. from a <laughs> first film from a major American studio with three Arab American leads. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Shout out. I didn't know it was all, all three. I thought it was only two because I know Tony Shah- um Shahab yeah. and F. Murray Abraham, but mm-hmm. Shannon Elizabeth is is Arab American. Huh, I didn't I had know she no was idea. Arab. Yeah. What? What's her last name? She's she's Syrian. Represent. Holy shit, she's Syrian. Syrian okay. Her last name's actually Fadal. Shannon Elizabeth oh, wow. Fadal. Changed it for Holy. Hollywood, probably. Holy crap. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. I had no idea. The more you know. Steve Beck's directorial debut. After it, Beck would only direct one more film. Go ship. <laughs> Damn. Shannon Elizabeth is one year younger than Rod Digga, who plays her um the nanny man oh ma- uh, Maggie. So well, there's a only a year difference there? Yeah. My goodness. Let's do let's do a couple more here. Let's get a pretty juicy one. Matthew Lillard um later starred in Scooby Doo. In 2002, yep. uh, two, oh, in Scooby-Doo yeah. 2, Monsters Unleashed in 2004, as Norville's oh. Shaggy Rogers. An Oriole in, in, excuse me, an earlier in, incarnation of Scooby-Doo was the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo in 1985, featuring the voice of Vincent Price as Vincent Van Gogh. Curiously, the first movie produced by Dark Castle Entertainment and the previous, uh, and previous to this film, is uh, House on Haunted Hill in 1999, a remake from the original House on Haunted Hill in 1959, also starring Vincent Price. Wow, cool. full circle. Yeah, pretty neat. Um, here, let's get let's get a good one, good one here. Last one to conclude it. Uh, we already know that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this one actually. Friday didn't have a chance to mention it in this episode, but in the Good Night um, podcast episode, you did mention this. In the Withered Lover is the fourth ghost of the Black Zodiac. She is seen walking with an IV with her, and IV is the Roman numerals that uh, equals four. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, you did yeah, mention that um, back in the past, and I just wanted to bring that back around full circle to end wow. that off. So but smart. look how far we've grown. I uh, know, <laughs> but well, definitely let us know what you think of the 13 ghosts and uh, thank y'all for honestly just sitting through this whole fucking thing of us just having a huge nostalgia fest of this movie um, because this was great. Uh, but let us know over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K or you can let us know on our discord, which is inside the show notes. More than happy to chat with you about this movie there as well. We have a nightlight um, channel inside of the server. So by all means. Let's chat about it. Uh, but the next film that we are going to be covering is actually not chosen yet. It's not chosen no. yet. 
it, our patrons are still working on that being chosen. So that is an absolute surprise. And you would have to wait and find out until next week on what movie that is. But wow. currently the listings goes as follow that our patrons are currently voting on inside of a poll as we speak. See no evil Valentine one miss call the remake, which has, I think a 5% or maybe less. No, oh, wow. it has a zero percent. I think. Oh. And the uninvited. Oh my Currently, God. the one that's winning, which is surprising me, is the uninvited. Huh. Okay. I legit thought Sino Evil and Valentine were going to be like up there, but Valentine's last, Sino Evil and One Miss Call are actually tied, and the uninvited is at forty four percent. There's still with time. the lead. There's still time. There's still time. I have to vote, yeah. You have to vote. You definitely have to vote. The voting does conclude for them soon. So uh, tomorrow is when the voting concludes for them. So I'm excited for that um, to see what we choose on. But, man, hell of a fucking movie. This was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. Other in there, we had Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever as well. Also known as Nighty Night. With your help, we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast apps allows you to rate our show, consider giving us five stars as it honestly does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, you can head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? K. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>